Sherwood Forest Fair this week on the Pub Songs Podcast. All right, I'm here, back at Sherwood Forest Fair. I don't know what year this is. <laughs> when did this festival start? 2008? Is this the 10th or 11th year? I don't remember. But uh, I have arrived. I'm heading over to morning meeting. All is quiet, in case you can't hear. That's one of the things about Renaissance festivals. It's usually pretty quiet in the morning before all the activity and fun truly kick in. I'm looking forward to seeing all my old friends out here, so talk in a bit. It's time for the Pub Songs Podcast, Celtic and geek music and news from Mark Gunn, the Celt Father. Reimagining pub life at pubsong.net. Grab a pint. Slancha. Have you heard about the big strong man? He lives in a caravan. Have you heard about the Jeffrey Johnson fight? Oh Lord, what a hell of a fight. You can take all the heavyweights you got. What you got? A lad who can beat the whole lot. Whole lot. He used to ring the bells in the belfry now. He's going to fight Jack Dempsey. That's my brother. Sylvester, what's he got? A row of 40 medals on his chest. Big chest. He killed 50 varmint in the west. He knows no rest. Think of the man. Hell's fire. Don't push. Just shove. Plenty, Plenty of room for you and me. He's got an arm. I like a leg. And a punch that would sink a battleship ship. It takes all the army and the navy To take the wind off Sylvest Well he taught he'd take a trip to Italy He taught that he'd go by sea He jumped off the harbor in New York And he swam like a great big shark Then he saw the Lusitania in distress What'd he do? He put the Lusitania on his chest Big chest And he drank all the water in the sea And he walked all the way to Italy That was my brother, Sylvester What's he got? A row of 40 medals on his chest Big chest He killed 50 barmen in the west He knows no rest Think of the man, hell's fire Don't push, just shove Plenty of room for you and me He's got an arm I like a leg and a punch that sink a battleship. Big ship. It takes all the army and the navy to take the wind off Sylvester. Well, he taught he'd take a trip to old Japan. They brought out the big brass band. He played every instrument they got. What a lad! He played the whole lot. Then the old church bell will ring Church bells The old church choir will sing Housefire They all turned out to say farewell To my big brother Sylvest That was my brother Sylvest What's he got? A row of 40 medals on his chest Big chest He killed 50 varmint in the west He knows no rest Think of the man Housefire Don't push Just shove Plenty room for you and me He's got an arm Like a leg and a punch that would sink a battleship ship. It takes all the army and the navy To take the bra off May West 
Welcome to the Pub Songs Podcast, the virtual public house for Celtic culture through music. My name is Mark Gunn. I am a Celtic geek musician and your guide to honoring your our past and adapting for our future. Today's show is brought to you by my Gunrunners on Patreon. Your generous pledge of $5 per month allow me to create music, podcasts, and my weekly video show, Coffee with the Celt Father. Thank you so much. If you have any questions or comments or want to chat in the pub, email me. Use the hashtag pub songs when talking about the show. All right. We kicked off the show with the Robin Nagy and Bards, Big Strong Man from Songs of Ireland. And that, that track was picked because of the first interview that I'm going to feature uh, in today's show. So today I'm doing a special on Sherwood Forest Fair. Now, this festival started 10 years ago. This is the 10th anniversary. It's running right now. And uh, it's mind-boggling to think that this festival has been going for so long. And <laughs> but I, as I was talking to... Uh, Autolycus, who you'll meet in a moment, uh, and he was telling me that, it reminded me that he and I did an interview when the show opened 10 years ago. It's in show number 50, and I'll include a link to that in the show notes, so feel free to, free to check that out. Uh, we're going to kick this off with a whole bunch of fun interviews over the past decade, and then plus lots of music thrown in between from many of the bands who have performed at this festival and who I've gotten to know over the years. Um, I'm looking to share it all with you right now. But before we get to that, we're going to play my song, Kilted for Her Pleasure, from my album of the same name, which came out that year. I am a young Scotsman from America. The kilt is my pleasure, it's true. You can call it a skirt, but your lady will flirt. If she has a chance, she'll leave you. That's why I'm kilted. Kilted. The mystery of what's under there. You're kilted. 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 Inspectors will beg to know your third leg is as free as the fresh morning air. I have no red hair, but my skin is quite fair. But it does nothing to show off my pride. My Scottish family tree I wear on me And it makes the ladies giggle and sigh When you're kilted Kilted, kilted. The mystery of what's under there You're kilted Kilted, kilted. kilted. Inspectors will beg to know Your third leg is as free as the fresh morning air I feel like a man Both noble and strong When I dance my kilt swishes in time but I must confess, it's for the ladies I dress And undress too, is that a crime? When you're kilted, kilted, kilted. The mystery of what's under there Yes, you're kilted, kilted, kilted. kilted. Inspectors will beg to know your third leg is as free As the fresh morning air So don your kilt, my good Scottish friend And let your flag blow and unwind if they ask what's beneath your kilted sheep, tell them it's lipstick they'll find. When you're kilted, kilted, the mystery of what's under there. Yes, you're kilted, kilted, kilted. Inspectors will beg to know your third leg is as free as the fresh morning air. Yes, you're kilted, kilted, with the mystery of what's under there. You're kilted. Inspectors will beg to know your third leg is as free as the fresh morning air. 
Yeah! It's Andrew McKee, the Irish bard. Hi, Andrew. Hi. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little shocked seeing your, your horrific face. I mean, your beautiful, uh, lovely eyes. And, 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 and. Oh, please, tell me more about my eyes. What is, what, what, <laughs> what is wrong with your voice, man? Uh, I mean, wait, let me step back. You're not sick, are you? No, not at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, uh, no. Yeah. This is audio. You don't need to. to oh, I'm sorry. I was licking my tongue uh, on my uh, hand and uh, trying to touch his face. No, no. I'm just a little hoarse this morning. We'll see if I can sing. I'm did working you, on it. Did you ride in on that? <laughs> well, it's better than a unicorn. Oh. Unicorns alone. Poor unicorn. <laughs> Set, unicorn. So yeah, I'm going to yeah. be singing all the songs for our Bard show. Huh? We'll see. I, I'm going to do my best not to let that happen. I promise y'all. <laughs> well, they won't hear it anyways until after the fact. So but I'm, I'm working on it. I'm. Uh, <laughs> if it's like, if it's like Sunday, I'll I'll be okay by the opening gate. But I'm just, yeah. <clears throat> you know how it is. Okay. Well, let's have some music from Andrew McKee. <laughs> It was twelve days ago, in a pub night was near I was on my fourth pint of their best Irish beer When a thought quickly struck me, of all I hold dear So I went on outside to the hills with my beer Oh, I've smelled all the flowers, I've left none to hide I've told more the truth than I've told fib or lie And I hope when ye find me in the hills where I lie it will always be said that I died satisfied Well, I took both the good and the bad in my life And I made the most of it in a home with my wife And I raised me two kids, both a girl and a boy And they all made me life a gift to enjoy Oh, I smelled all the flowers, I've left none to hide I've told more the truth than I've told fib or lie And I hope when ye find me in the hills where I lie It will always be said that I died satisfied As for friends I've had many, I ne'er walked alone And a few were like family as much as me own They helped in times troubled, made happiness known and they gave me a young heart I've never outgrown Oh, I've smelled all the flowers, I've left none to hide I've told more the truth and I've told fib or lie And I hope when ye find me in the hills where I lie It will always be said that I died satisfied The evening was leaving, the sun said goodbye I thought of me past and I smiled with a sigh Oh, I had no regrets, nay, a reason to cry So I drank my beer down till the glass all was dry Oh, I smelled all the flowers, I've left none to hide I've told more the truth and I've told fib or lie And I hope when ye find me in the hills where I lie 
It will always be said that I died satisfied Oh, I've smelled all the flowers, I've loved none to hide I've told more the truth than I've told for or lie And I hope when you find me in the hills where I lie It will always be said that I died satisfied It will always be said that I died satisfied That was Satisfied by Andrew McKee from his album The Irish Bard And now for my interview with Autolycus Year 10 of the Sherwood Forest Fair. Oh, oh, oh. I thought you were going to calculate it. What do you mean? What do you mean? I did it all wrong, man. I, yeah. I am here with Autolycus, and it's 10 years later. I was at show number 50 of the Pub Songs podcast. Actually, it was on the Renaissance Festival podcast, too. And I realized that I, at the interview that I published on Pub Songs was republished there. But nevertheless, 10 years ago, this Renaissance Festival started. And and uh, that's when uh, I even got to be here from the very beginning. That's, that's kind of cool, too. <laughs> yes, indeed. Mark Gunn was here on day one, and Mark Gunn's here on uh, year 10. <laughs> year 10. And uh, Gamble Gold stands before me as well. Uh, we're here talking to the national uh, uh, podcast audience of uh, whoever listens to podcasts. <laughs> those who've listened to podcasts the longest listen pods. to Mark Gunn. Podcast. Right. <laughs> it's true, actually. She has been going for since 2005. Since just before they invented the internet. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so we are in year 10 of the Sherwood Forest Fair, and it's, and how, how did this happen? I don't know. And um, I don't know what I said uh, three minutes ago when you read or listened to whatever happened uh, ten years ago. I don't quite remember all those things. But I do remember that Autolycus was a renaissance man and not a medieval man. And I think I've learned to be a medieval man. And we've got a very medieval-looking renaissance fair. Tell me about the fair. What is the favorite thing that you love about this fair? Uh, Friar Tuck. Friar Tuck? <laughs> yeah, he pours a really, really good tankard. That's, that's easy. The second best thing I love about uh, Sherwood Forest Fair is the feast. And that's Robin's Feast. The Robin's uh, Feast. Which is, um, you know, a pretty fancy dinner. And it comes with everything that a fancy dinner comes with, including you have to buy an extra ticket. Uh, <laughs> but the really best thing I love about uh, Sherwood Forest Fair, uh, of course, is the spirit of Robin Hood, which says, buck the system when you have to, and, um, you know, work with it when, uh, when it suits you. And, and that's kind of something you've done with this because you, you started with a hard site, right? You uh, you you built something up. You you've created something that's, that's been super magical. And that I think about every other Renaissance festival. Number one, music has been a big part of this festival, and so seeing that the the how how much music that continues to be at this festival ten years later, uh, whether it's and people love it, right? Um, yet, yes, and yet you still have uh, you know you have great entertainers. Who are the uh, who, who's who, what kind of acts have you had here over the years? We have some amazing acts these days. Uh, Stuart and Magnolia. I'm sorry, Judas and Magnolia. I mixed him up with a muggle that I know. <laughs> uh, Judas and Magnolia 
they do an amazing escape artist show and so as you say beyond the music yeah. uh, that's one of the one of the awesome uh, newish shows they came here when they were just starting to open the blossom of their um, international and national uh, acclaim and uh, we were really glad to see them uh, open that blossom up and now they've got a full-fledged really awesome show and they do it lots of places um, music of course we've got a lot of the same people that were playing music here since the very very beginning and uh, we've got uh, nowadays some big international acts like um, the bagpipers who will be here on the last three weekends Titanic and uh, like uh, crack the crack uh, yeah, which will also be here the last three weekends. Yeah, yeah, uh, but we also have the Mark Guns and the Andrew McKees of the world, and we've got the uh, Bedlam Bard since the very beginning. Yeah. And the new act that isn't new but renewed, as you said, the Rambling Sailors. Yeah. With a G. Don't call them Rambling Sailors. They're Rambling. not bloody pirates. They're privateers. <laughs> They've got a letter of mark and all that. So what, what's been what's new since, since uh, the first year? Well... I, I mean, I can't think of anything... Uh, what could be possibly new? Since oh, since the first, first year, since the first year, brand new, uh, built about mm. uh, four or five years ago, is the castle. Yeah, but it was built <laughs> over many years. I think they're still building it. And uh, once Are they, they really got it built, they started rebuilding it from the inside out. So it's kind of like we've had a new castle every year. Uh, I, I got an interview with uh, George that I did with him a couple years back. So I'll have that on this podcast too. Yes, <laughs> indeed. On, but... uh, and uh, brand new this year, which we've never really, really had before, is a full-fledged pirate ship stage at the pirate stage. I don't think I've seen that yet. Uh, I have to go run by there next weekend. That's fantastic. Yep, they uh, pulled it, as they say, right out of the bilge. <laughs> Uh, at the very, very last minute on uh, about three shekels. Wow. Fantastic. So um, what you, what about for the future? What, what do you see in the future of, of this medieval fair? Well, the, the future of the past. That's, that's always the question in one of these interviews, isn't it? We're doing a little time travel, you know. Oh, uh, you know, next year, 1199, if you look in the history books, which I haven't, but I hear it's an excellent year for King Richard. Is it? Yes, 1199, King Richard's going to have a banner year. Excellent. And uh, I hear there's a, like a really big party, you know, halfway through 1199 that King Richard's invited to. And uh, yet he doesn't show up for some reason. And uh, uh, so, so look, you know, to the future of 1199. You'll be very excited, and uh, perhaps we'll uh, try to get um, uh, Prince John to sign the Magna Carta or something like that. Brilliant. <laughs> All right, so this is Sherwood Forest Fair. Go to SherwoodForestFair.com, and this podcast is all around Sherwood Forest Fair. Uh, Ten years we've been doing this, and so there's going to be a lot of music. There's going to be a lot of fun, uh, just like the festival. Uh, in the moment, we're going to have the pub singing, and that's where I'm off to. So I'll, I'll see you over there. I'll be at the pub singing, too, and I'll try not to use this very much. Thank you, Mark Gunn.
Shillelagh with their song Salty Sailor from their album A Turn of Fortune which I love the album it's a fantastic album I played a lot on the Irish and Celtic Music podcast and now when you've been performing at Renaissance Festivals as long as I have uh, you, you you find that you really you want to own your own fair and so I got to actually sit down with the owner of Sherwood Forest Fair George Appling and we talked about castle building and much more. Here's my interview with King George. And I am here with George Appling, king of the Sherwood Forest Fair. First off, why don't you tell me a little bit about the uh, about what you're doing here at the Renaissance Festival? Uh, well, you mean what we're doing here now? Right now, right now. Right now, I am having a breakfast taco and talking to the kelp father. Oh my God. And then at, uh, at about 12.45, I have a theater scene uh-huh. where I will change clothes and dress up as King Richard the Lionheart and I'll get all serious and, you know, do my theater scene and hop on a horse and ride around the village leading the parade. Wow. Which is fun. Yeah. Now, the fair's been open for, what, seven years This now? is our seventh season. Seventh, seventh yeah. season. And I, I don't even, I don't really even know how this all came to be. I know I remember seeing you and Zane, I think, in a shop, uh, and well, we played out in front of your shop at the uh, Texas Renaissance Festival right. years and years ago, but... Where's your beginnings? How did you get started? Where, how did you create this castle and this Renaissance Festival and this forest? Sure. And, yeah. and where's it all begin? So uh, I'm one of these guys who went to the Texas Renaissance Festival on a school field trip when I was 12 years old. Yellow school bus and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I walk into TRF at 12 years old and, you know, it hit me like a ton of bricks that this is where I belong. I love this. Like, my spirit finally came to my body. And so then I, I haven't missed that fair in, like, 32 years. I wow. took a couple of years off in ages 13 or 14 or something, and I've really been there for, like, 30-something years in a row. And in that time, I've lived in lots of different countries, but I always made a point to come back to the fair because it's always been what I loved. It's been, like, my one lifelong passion. And so when I got into my early 30s, I started, you know, having this thought that I wanted to have my professional energy focused on what I love. And when I asked myself, you know, how could I do that, the Renaissance Festival business was the answer. And so after looking around to try to buy a fair, which is extraordinarily hard to do because it's whoever founded it is in love with it, so it's very hard to, to sell uh, I came across Eric Todd, uh, who is the other owner, uh, and we, you know, he had the same idea. He had been dreaming of creating a Renaissance festival for many, many, many years, and so he had originally bought this land, and then so I came in and bought half the land, and we built this thing uh, together, and we opened in 2010. And uh, to rave reviews, I mean, this the the, the festival was completely different from anything any other new festival ever i think <laughs> well we we kind of went big you know so in our opening season we had built a full village you know we had whatever 80 or 90 permanent shops and the jousting arena and the chapel and the 
bars and you know, we really built a full village or you know people don't like the word theme park but we built a full theme park even for year one uh, and so I think we we went big and that's worked for us build it and they will come <laughs> yeah now um, the the festival I, I know that like in the first few years you won uh, in the Renaissance Festival Awards and um, the attendance seems to be growing massively every year. It, it is. So the in the Renaissance Festival Awards, we won Best New Renaissance Festival, which you can only win for your first three years. And we won it all three of our first three years. So that yeah. was kind of cool. The sweep. <laughs> um, but now, you know, we're kind of getting to the sort of that mature phase, even in, in season seven. And, you know, we know we're a mature fair because when the weather's good, we have a good day. When yeah. the weather's bad, we have a bad day. And that's the business. And yeah. it will be that way forever. You seem like you have a business is going left and right. I, I do. Mean, well, is, is this just a creative. There is another one. I've the got creative aspects of your life is that you like to create businesses. I like to build businesses that I love. Yeah. yeah. Actually, you know what? I forgot. I forgot the one that I love the most. What's that? Sherwood Forest Summer Camp. Oh, really? Tell That's me about the that. one I love the most. So it is a sleepover summer camp for kids, and so the kids move here for a week, and we do three one week sessions, and some of the kids stay for three weeks in a row. And it's a full immersion, you know, medieval experience. So we teach them blacksmithing, sword fighting, candle making, leather working, archery, all those things. Do they get college credit for this? No, but <laughs> there are some Boy Scout badges that, that oh, they good, can get good. credit for. But, and last summer we had 345 kids here. My goodness, So wow. it's just exploded. They wow. sleep in the castle, which is air-conditioned. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a moment. <laughs> and so the summer camp is very successful, and it's just really fulfilling because these kids love it, and there are no electronics whatsoever, none. Yeah. You know, it's really cool. Wow. Now, now, when did you build your castle, speaking of which? Well, castles always get built over many years. They're never done. <laughs> right. So the building we're in now is called the Sherwood Keep, and we built that in... 2012. It has a, such a, a Dungeons and Dragons feel to me when you say keep. I well, just, the word keep just does that to me. We do play Dungeons and Dragons in here once a do year. Really? Yeah. Do you do it on this awesome wooden yes. table here? Right <laughs> here. I want to be at that game. Right here. We play D&D at this table <laughs> once a year for a three-day weekend. Wow. It was actually 2013 we built the keep. 2014 we built the Great Hall. Uh, but everything kind of keeps growing and expanding and getting prettier and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty incredible. And does the DM get your seat? This That's a good question. <laughs> I think he does, actually. Yeah, <laughs> the DM sits here in the throne. It's not me. I sit and I'm a player. Yeah. And try to survive. Try, try to, survive. to survive. The fireballs coming at us from the wizards. <laughs> Uh, so tell me a little bit about more about the, the keep, though. I mean, I know you have this, the, the, the um, Great Hall is something that's got a great acoustics. Uh, yeah. Have you seen it this year? No, I haven't, actually. We've, we've built a fireplace. and Can we go armory. in there? Yeah. So we've really taken the Great Hall up. Uh, well, we've decorated it a lot better, so it's really sweet. You'll see the, the fireplace we built the week before opening. Uh-huh. So I guess they're preparing. Oh, for the fireplace! Well, that, that was no, that was uh, the music place, wasn't it? That's right. So, uh, but th- this is now uh, an armory. Oh, nice! And so we've got you know, <laughs> like crossbows, longbows, helms. You know, baskets of arrows. Uh, All gated for your protection. That's right. And we, we have a lock on it, so our, our patrons drinking mead don't get in there and play with the bows. There's even a, a sword that we put just out of arm's reach. 
So that's new, and we just think it's pretty. Yeah. The fireplace is, you know, I'm really excited about. Oh, beautiful. We literally finished this, you know, Saturday morning before we opened. When is it, uh, when do you light it up? Uh, as soon as it gets cold. <laughs> yeah, it's real. It's, oh, we know, are as soon as it in, gets we are cold. Texas, so. <laughs> this uh, fresco is hand-painted by my friend Joshua Warren. It's nice. really, really beautiful. We also have knights uh, on the balcony, four knights on the balcony, keeping an eye on things. Is, it, is this based on a uh, particular design? Uh? Well, I have dreamed of building a castle my entire adult life. So if you talk to my college friends or my business school friends uh-huh. or people that knew me 20 years ago, I was the guy who wanted to build a castle. <laughs> I, that's been my thing forever. You didn't get uh, um, extricated from by uh, all your uh, MBA friends? And <laughs> no, they loved it. They people loved going, it. what are you talking so, about, a castle? <laughs> I've literally been drawing castles on paper for 25 years. Wow, really? Yeah, and so I've... I'd, Hand designing yeah. what, how, how, how best yeah. it should look. And I visited all the castles, not all the castles, but I probably visited 30 or 40 castles in Europe and always take notes. And <laughs> Yeah, this is what I dream about is this place right here. That was my first thing. When I went first went to Italy in 1985, I was we went to Rome, I think. And nice. man, it was like a heyday. Picture, right, picture, picture, picture. Yeah, <laughs> the Colosseum and the Parthenon. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. yeah, and the castles also. We went up to Germany and, and hit all those castles. And uh, it was so amazing. Yeah. Do you have a favorite castle? Good question. Do you have a favorite castle? Yeah, probably. Um, Bodium, Bodium, Bodium in England. It's south of London. B o d i a m, Bodium Castle. Someone's tell me about that. That's right on the coast, isn't it? Uh, it's not quite on the coast, but it's okay. down there. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's got a moat. I don't have a moat. <laughs> Are you going to build a moat? I might. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> you have to blow through the limestone, don't you? <laughs> yeah. In order yeah. to do that, you might. You never know. <laughs> no, this is. I love this place. That's very cool. Um, <laughs> So, uh, what else do we, what else do we have going on at the festival? What, are, what do you have? We, you know, I'll tell you, we're a Renaissance festival, and so lots of people have been to those. I'll tell you the things that I think we're particularly good at relative to other fairs. Uh, I think our music is particularly good. So we have, over the course I agree. of the show... We I'm have, not biased at all. Yeah, no. <laughs> we have like 25 different bands over the course of our show. Yeah. And so, and they're just amazing, like Saxon Moon and Wine and Alchemy and Von Amazi and Drones and Drums and you... You know, I think we have better music than other fairs. Yeah. I think our jousting is better than other fairs. We have um, full contact competitive jousting, which is not a smart thing to do at all. <laughs> so they're really trying to knock each other off of horses with 10-foot poles. Right, right. And they do knock each other off. It's really not a smart thing to do, but it's glorious to watch. Right. The fans just love it. Uh-huh. I also think our food is better than other yeah. fairs because the, the fair, me, we don't own the food. Right. The food is like 10 different companies all doing, they're all following their passion. And so it, that has, there's this great culinary environment out here. Because it's people, I, there's these the foodies I, following what they love. I, you know? I, I still remember, I think uh, two or three years ago, I remember there was some food that was not up to par. Over somewhere over there, and I was, I, I remember talking, and, and, and y'all were all like, "We're already on it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're all over it. <laughs> we're like, uh, they're they're out. <laughs> yeah. No, you, no, you, you fixed it up like really quick. We take you, pride in, in I know, which I appreciate. Here. I appreciate, yeah. it. and the alcohol too. You seem to have a, a special 
uh, a love of, of alcohol of all sorts and shapes. And we do. We have a very broad selection. We have like 15 different beers, two different meats, a lot of local two stuff too. Right? Oh yeah, we have a strong bias towards local stuff. Yeah. So a lot of our beers are from uh, Texas. Uh-huh. Uh, the mead, the both meads are from my cousin Thorn. Uh-huh. Uh, the cider, Iron Age cider, is from cousin Thorn. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, we have a very strong bias towards handcrafted and local. What's your favorite? My favorite is. Thorns Iron Age Cider. Okay. It's the your cider drinker. New, th- not you know, not particularly, but it's the new thing this year. Yeah, okay, I got yeah, you. It's the new new yeah, that, thing. That cider was really good. I had some of that last night. <laughs> yes, it really it really is. Really it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice, not too sweet. Yeah. Um, he little, nailed it. Yeah, he did. He, good. he did really good with yeah. that. Uh, any favorite beers that you got? Yes, uh, Longhammer IPA is my favorite beer. Yeah, it's very hoppy. Uh, I'll skip that. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I'm not a hop person. <laughs> Yeah, I love Longhammer IPA. So, so the festival it, it continues to grow, um, and uh, the the people, uh, the community that you're working, you've built has is one of the things also that I think has stand, stood out since the very beginning. Uh, how's that? How's that come together? So that's absolutely true. So we have you know this uh, collection of corporate values, which sounds weird, corporate values, but we are a business, right. and one of them is community. Uh, and it's we genuinely care about the people running this place, and I think that you know gives them a certain sense of comfort, which leads them to you know be happier and play more. So in our exit survey from patrons, you know we ask what's your favorite thing about Sherwood Forest Fair, and the the number one or number two thing is invariably the friendly people, and so the the people who work here are relatively friendly versus other places, and I think it's because they. They're happy and they're comfortable, and a part of that is that we genuinely give a damn about yeah. you know their welfare. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, do you have any favorite shops that you like to frequent while you're Eternal here? Arms. Eternal Arms. <laughs> Eternal Arms for all your arms and armor needs. No, seriously. That uh, must be really awesome, though. I mean, having your own armory to do. Yeah. I need some new armor. Um, hey. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You know, I like uh, Native Earth. Uh, I wear their boots. Okay. You know, I just love these things. Oh, they're beautiful. Um, yeah. Uh, like this is a medieval tunic from a store called Einar's Emporium that I really like. So you uh, shop at your, at your festival? I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Ren shirts makes uh-huh. all oh, my yeah. tights. Ren shirts makes my tights. Son of Sandalar makes really good boots. Yeah. 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 Uh, Mark Howler, the glassblower, love that guy. And how about the historical? You, you're you a big big into, into history. I'm, you, I'm a nut. What, why why Sherwood, anyways? I mean, did you... Uh, uh, Eric came up with that. Eric came up with yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, it's Robin Hood. It's yeah, Richard Lionheart. Love Merry right. Men and but you know, you, Friar Tuck. Did you y'all do a lot of research? I mean, doing uh, uh, in the history. To we build, do to get to get a handful ready. of us do. Yeah. A handful of us do. So we always have nods to history in our theater. Right. You know, all, there's always something like in 1195, King Richard and King Philippe of France signed a peace treaty or a, a truce. And that's a part of the show and today. He, yeah, he, I was about to say, the, the King of France is here, isn't he? The King of France is here. Uh, well, he didn't come to England, uh-huh. but they did sign a treaty in 11. In Nottingham. We know that for a fact. That's he did not come one. to Nottingham. Oh, but, you know, <laughs> so that's our nod to history is, is 1195. We all, we, King Richard's life was very well documented, so we always put a, at least one real quote uh, in, oh, nice. in his speeches. Yeah. Very cool. We also have some nods to popular culture. We'll often have a Princess Bride line in the right. theater or a Game of Thrones line in the theater. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else that, 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 
that drives you? Um, well, I mean, I'm spending my time building businesses that I love, so yeah. that, that that drives me. I've got three kids, and you know, they're Rennies, and they run around here, and you know, we have to tell their teachers every year when they come back talking about knights and princesses and elves <laughs> and horses and castles. It's all real. It's all real. <laughs> you know, it all happens. Don't, don't get mad at them for make-believe. That's all real. <laughs> all right. Uh, final thoughts. Any uh, final thoughts? Anything, any words of wisdom that you would share with anyone else who's either starting a business or starting a, uh, a Renaissance festival? or uh, what? I would say that Encourage. following your heart and following your dream is not easy, but it's very worthwhile. Very cool. And people can find the festival at? SherwoodForestFair.com. All right. Well, thanks a lot, George. Appreciate it. All right, it. Mark. Thank you. Tartanic with Jiggy Biddy's Slurhorn from their album Uncharted. 
I met Adrian, who plays Boron and is the sort of front man for the band. He was playing Robin Hood at the Texas Renaissance Festival. So it's kind of funny, my connection with, with Sherwood Forest Fair. <laughs> One of my favorite interviews I've done, though, at Sherwood Forest Fair was with April Knight. We talked about musical women in history. Here's my interview with April Knight. <laughs> this is Mark Gunn. I'm here with April Knight, and we're at the Sherwood Forest Fair hanging out, and I, we're, we were talking about uh, women in music, and I thought it might be uh, kind of cool hearing about her perspective. So April got started on the circuit, what, in 2008? Technically, yeah. Eight, and she started playing solo in 2012. Um, she plays, uh, what do you play? The Boat Psaltery and the hurdy-gurdy and the flute and the penny whistle and the Balron and the Pianonomicon and I'm probably leaving something out but there it is and, and the piano too and the piano course, yeah, but, so, not but, but not at fair but not at fair no 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 little, 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 I think most of what I think about you when you're at the fair is is the sultry because mm-hmm. they've been doing that for a number of years mm-hmm. and then most recently is the hurdy-gurdy the which you mm-hmm. you uh Embrace. Yes. How did you get into uh, to the those two instruments? Well, so I started on piano when I was two, and when I started doing Renaissance Fair, I'd been playing flute because I'd started on flute when I was twelve in you know middle school band, and it's what I had, and it was portable, and you cannot take a pia- a piano to a Renaissance. Fair. You just can't. It's a little big. So somebody told me about the psaltery, which is set up just like a piano, white keys on one side, black keys huh. on the other side, except that it's strings. But it's close enough. Um, and so I started you doing can mind that. You work that, yeah, exactly. that math. <laughs> exactly. No, no. It, I mean, it makes it makes total sense. Okay. Um, and then I was like, okay, I need something that will give me the flexibility and 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 piano technique that will also give me more range. And I ended up with the hurdy-gurdy because it is a period instrument. It goes all the way back to the 10th century. It's got a piano keyboard, basically. Um, and then you just turn a crank, which uh, bows the strings for you. And now uh, you mostly play medieval music, is that right? Or, mostly medieval. Um, or is it medieval renaissance? My, it's kind of a mix, and it depends on where I am. Out here at Sherwood Forest Fair, um, my band, Tulsa Troubadours, and I, we're playing as much medieval music as we can. We're playing stuff that is specifically from this time period. But we're also... Um, 1190s? On, is that 1196 is where we are. So we've got a set that's all King Richard based, and we've got a, a bunch of the Cantigas from 1250-ish. Um, Wait, that's in the future. That's in the future. We're time travelers. <laughs> oh, you know. I see, I see. It, It's kind of cool. This, this, yeah, this guy in a blue box said, here's these stuff, and you should do this. We, we do a little bit of stuff from the 1700s, but most of it is like SCA appropriate 1650 and before. Gotcha, gotcha. And um, what got you into doing all the, the medieval stuff? It's it's exciting and not as many people do it, and I, I like trying to to, to be a trailblazer, sort of. And if everybody is out there doing, you know, the exact same Celtic songs that everyone loves and all the same stuff, and then you're not standing out. And so in order to do something a little different, we're at a medieval fair playing medieval music. Which is definitely different. Shocking. You don't, you don't, I mean, actually, and there's not many... Um, 
Renaissance musicians actually at fairs, mm-hmm. right? I mean, even I mean, there's some uh, medieval or Renaissance. There's, I mean, there's, there's a few. Some. There's some. Uh, who, um, who do you got? Well, uh, oh, so uh, Worthy Waits of Whimsy, uh, they're not out here anymore, but they used to be, and they oh, okay. did some really nice, like medieval stuff, recorder quartets, um, some 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 nice stuff. A lot of people will do one or two songs that are that are appropriate and medieval period and so on and so forth but I'd say for the most part nobody makes it like their full time set yeah so that's that's kind of what we're going for out here. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Now, women in music. Uh, the, you you mentioned this as a, something we could, you and I could talk about a little bit, which I, it's really kind of a fascinating because women are underrepresented throughout music, so. whether ta- today, yeah. and I'm sure even more so in the in the history. But you seem to know a little bit more about that than I do. Well, I've, <laughs> I've gone looking specifically. So, I I did a music degree, um, and all. You, you go through the music history book, and for every one woman they talk about in your music history class, you're going to have maybe 15 guys. And so you don't hear as much, and there are tons of women that did interesting stuff. Um, you know, Mozart's sister was pretty cool. Yeah, really? But you don't hear I, about I her because... I have heard about her va- va- vaguely. Vaguely. But, uh, yeah. but, but no, 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 you hear. That. And huh. she actually wasn't allowed to perform as much because huh. she was a girl. And so their father didn't let her perform as much as he let, as he let Wolfgang perform. Wow. So that sort of thing is very prevalent in history. It's it's really interesting to to do the research on all of these um, women musicians and women composers throughout history, and to try and bring that to the forefront, um, so that more people can hear about them and they won't continue to be lost to history. Well, tell me about some of the ones that you're some of your favorite. So my next album that I'm going to be doing is actually uh, about Hild- it's a uh, Hildegard von Bingen's songs, and she was a nun in the medieval period. And her her music her music is gorgeous. And if you hear it, you think um, you think about Gregorian chant, but it's more edgy than Gregorian chant. At the time, it's actually she's she she says she wrote what God told her to write, you know, what God told her to write. It was just you know straight from divine provenance to her fingers, I guess. But it's. It's it's exciting and there's stuff that happens that you don't hear in Gregorian chant. It's way more it's it's different. Hmm. And so I really want to focus on her as a medieval woman composer. And then after that, I'm going to do a CD that focuses on the Trubarits, which were the female troubadours of the of the medieval Yeah, I have not period. heard of the Trubarits. The Trubarits are they're they're awesome. There's there's several not as many songs as we'd like, but there's yeah. a few, you know. So I want to go and and focus on on those, and also the Cantigas de Santa—sorry, uh, not de Santa Maria—that's the other ones. The Cantigas de Amigo, which are the songs of my boyfriend, and some of those were written by men, but they're all from the woman's perspective, from the woman's point of view. And um, your your friend uh, Jamie Hauser yeah, actually sings yeah. one of those, yeah. and it's uh, "I will wait in the warm waters while my boyfriend is away and and relax on the beach, basically." Wow, that's <laughs> so, yeah. awesome. Okay, so I, I, April and I talk a lot about uh, 
some promotional stuff trying to make it, you know, how to make it living as, as musicians, you know, we're both struggling musicians trying to, to, to uh, find our way in, in the world. But I find it fascinating, um, just for your personal benefit here, as, I, as you describe these two little themes, mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa, those sound so awesome. Those, I want to hear those albums now. So are they done yet? <laughs> I knew. <laughs> okay, you got to work, work we're, on we're, we're getting there. Pardon my <clears throat> allergy-laden throat. Um, the trees are having fun with me. The Tolstin Troubadours are this close. Imagine me making little itty-bitty tiny little space between my fingers. This close to finishing our next album. And once that one's done, then I'm launching full-scale into the uh, the Hildegard Von Bingen album. Okay, very cool. Are you going to put any of those songs on your uh, Patreon page? Oh, all, absolutely. I mean, and, and uh, YouTube channel? April has launched a, a YouTube, what are you doing, a thing a, a week? Thing a week, thing a week. Thanks to the Jonathan Colton for the idea for this. Um, I've been trying to be more creative lately and and also figure out what else I can do at home instead of having to travel and being away from my friends and loved ones. So I got the idea to do a musical thing every week for the entirety of 2017. Uh, and I'm posting all of these on my YouTube channel as well as on my Patreon page. Right. And the Patreon people get all the, the outtakes and the goofiness and the and the, the weird things that didn't work. <laughs> and, and you're going to have some of these these Trouberettes. The Trouberettes. And the... Trouberettes. I will totally... The, I will, what is the, the first one again? Uh, the the Trouberettes and the Cantiga de Amigo, the songs of my boyfriend. Oh, no, the one before that. And the uh, Hildegard, Hildegard von Bingen. Hildegard, Hildegard von Bingen. Okay, okay. Because that sounds cool. I'm going to be putting all the all the rehearsal sessions on the Patreon page for sure. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very People cool. can watch me learn. <laughs> and that's... Uh, what is the, the Patreon page? It's, a- uh, it's April night. Pa- P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash A-P-R-Y-L underscore K-N-I-G-H-T I think. <laughs> I think. Why did you put I that think. at the end? Because, oh, sorry. No, yeah, no, no, no. That, that's part of the URL. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how that is unless they've got the, the stuff rearranged. But if you if you go to Patreon and do a search for A-P-R-Y-L K-N-I-G-H-T April night, then it should pop up. Now, you are traveling as a soloist and as a group, but uh, mm-hmm. as a soloist, and how how does that work in your life? How does it function? Do you run into any any issues? I really haven't, actually. Um, I, and I used to sleep in my van in in truck stop tr- truck stop parking lots, and I've never had any problems. Um, my my female bandmate Damaris, her mother had told her, "Oh no, you can't travel as a female musician. It's way too dangerous." And now she's a little unhappy because she's wasted some time that she could have been traveling as a female musician. Yeah. Um, I find that it's actually even occasionally more useful. Like theoretically, I know how to change a tire on my car. I have never had to. Every single time I get a flat tire, there's some very nice person, very nice male person in a big pickup who stops and changes my tire for me and asks if they can do anything else to help. And so I... I think it actually works in my favor. People, most uh, of the time. people are pretty nice. People overall. are generally really nice. Yeah, um, and you occasionally run into the, the horrible people, but yeah. fortunately, you know, I don't think they're out there that much. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's fantastic. Um, do you have any any uh, specific? Um, 
tips that you would share for anyone else that would uh, women that you uh, would like to go play music or or who travel want to travel period oh just uh, I mean you know find find out what you want to do and go and do the thing it, it always helps to be prepared but this works for you know anybody male female yeah. uh, intersex whatever anybody uh, you should know how to change your tire you should know uh, you should have some some backup batteries in case your cell phone dies you should have some water whatever you're set you're good to go go and travel go and find someplace amazing I travel basically sort of based on where all of the best vegan cupcakes are you know <laughs> vegan desserts oh where can I go for a cookie and <laughs> you are vegan right I am vegan yeah. I guess and you've been that way for you've been vegan 2005 since five, so mm-hmm. a long time wow now this this is, this is one of the things that I do remember being a little bit uh, boggled when one day when I was, I think I saw a Texas Renaissance Festival, and I was out getting my my steak on a stick and realized, and I saw you or something, and I was like, what do you eat? Because there's like no food for vegans at TRF the, at the, the time. Well, at TRF. I, I don't know Actually, about now. TRF. At TRF, there, the last time I went down there, there was a Greek place that would give me just the, my brain is wanting to say fajita, that's not right, um, gyro, just like the gyro veggies and stuff in, Mm. in, in pita, um, I'm not sure exactly how valid that really was but generally i bring my own food yeah um i from like just meal replacement bars um if you can find a place that like here at sherwood we've got the jerusalem cafe and they have an entire vegan platter with hummus and dolmas and falafel and salad and israeli pickles and it's really good so just look around if you can find a middle eastern place they're more likely um do you find it difficult traveling as a vegan? Not, not, no, you not usually. Just, you just plan I, ahead and get the food. Happy Cow. The Happy Cow app is my best friend. Uh, they will, they will pull, right. pull up any, you pull up any city and it'll tell you where you can go. Oh, nice. And then you know at the very, very, very least if you're in the middle of absolutely nowhere and there are no good restaurants at all. The seven layer burrito at Taco Bell, minus the sour cream and minus the cheese, is totally vegan. <laughs> <laughs> It's not really food, but it's totally <laughs> vegan. <laughs> that doesn't raise a, yeah. Hold yeah. On. It will okay. keep you from starving. <laughs> All right. Um, so now you have, how many albums do you have right now? I have two solo albums, and Tulsa Troubadours has one. We are about to finish our second. And occasionally you come carrying a copy of Irish Drinking Songs for Every Cat Lovers. Every once in a while. <laughs> since I believe I played <laughs> on three of those tracks and me out on a fourth. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Even better, so. Um, all right. You can find it all at... AprilNight.com. Okay. Yeah. And if you have um, any parting words, any parting thoughts about life, traveling, women, and music, um, what would you... Maybe what kind of inspiration, uh, what words of wisdom and inspiration could you give to someone uh, who wants to follow your path? I would say if, if anybody is wanting, especially women that are wanting to to have a career in music, to perform music, to travel as a performer, 
do it. Absolutely do it. If you, uh, I'm sure Mark will have uh, some some links in this. Uh, If you would like to contact me through my website, I will help you as much as I can. And I think that all women need to help each other as much as we can so that we can can excel in all the things that we would like to do. And being creative is so important right now. And I, I send that same offer to myself. I mean, I'm not saying I can help you with the women part. Exactly. Exactly. But as far as <laughs> I agree, there's there's a, a severe lack of women in, mm-hmm. in definitely Celtic music. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. it's it's a really interesting challenge, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, it's bold of you to do so. so. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. That was The Cat on the Stairs from April Knight's album, Alonzi, Time Traveler's Tales. April has a new album out. It is called One Nerdy Night, and I think it's only available on our website. So go check it out, aprilnight.com. Again, you'll find links as well as song times for everything in the show notes at pubsong.com. Here's a track from that album. It's called RPG Monster Song. Trolls, goblins, and kobolds, and sphinxes, and ogres, and dragons, chromatic and not. Stone golems, earth golems, gorgons, afrit, elementals, both chilly and hot. Basilisk, vampire, bugbear, leviathan, cockatrice, snorlock, and rock. Siren, and satyr, and incubus, succubus, will-o-wisp, and trees that walk. Purple worm, lizard, min, hippogriff, mimic, medusas, the stare, and shoot arrows. Dryad, and dark elf, and owlbear, chimera, and wyvern, and werewolf, and marrows.
Abilith Averill, Archon and Affic, a giant a cube made of jello. Bargaston, Blinkdog, and Centaur, and Chula Distrackens, a taxonic bellows. Celestial creature, Dark Mantle Digester, a nine-foot devourer too. A direwolf and Dreepdorf, a drow and a frostworm, back pudding with acid like goo. Gargles and genies and giants and gnomes and paladins fighting gazebos. Our party has fought all these monsters and more. We roll dice and we eat our burritos. Pegasus, Naganite, Hagen, Nightmare, and the Glowcloud White Dead as Night Vale. A Frostwind, Virago, and Wind Creature who creates Windwall, a Great Howling Gale. Chaos Beast, Cloaker, and Delver, and Demon, Assassin, Vine, Formy, and Queen. Arania, Arrowhawk, Bodok, and Belker, and Slime that's transparent and green. Barb Devil, Bone Devil, Chain Devil, Horn Devil, Ice Devil, and Ben Pit Fiend. Nightcrawler, Nightwalker, Nightwing, and Nymph, on Gygax's text we were weaned. Ethereal Filcher, a gibbering mouther, homunculus, lammy, a lich. Grey Rinder, Grimlock, Rakshasha, and Raskarset armor that might make you itch. A halfling, a harpy, a hellhound, a howler, a shadow, a shambling mound. A manticore, minotaur, mummy lord, and random fungus that's found underground. D&D is much more fun than real life, we pretend to be our alter egos. When you're sad, you can sit in on our game, D&D wins out over placebos. A rust monster ruins all metals it finds in a steam golem loudly can whistle. A razor boar tramples all of your friends. I attack darkness and cast magic missile. That rust monster ate up my favorite sword. Now I'm down to a crossbow and dirk. A wraith just strained two of my levels away. This new DM is quite a jerk. A hydra, a kraken, a sea cat, a sea hag, and merfolk down where it is wet. Bat swarm and rat swarm and spider swarm too. A griffin and cringer, a specter and sprites that ain't all but it's all that you get. I want your feedback. What are you doing today while listening to the Pub Songs podcast? And how has this show inspired you? Send a written comment along with any pictures to mark at markgun.com. Use the hashtag PubSongs in the subject of your email. That is M-A-R-C-G-U-N-N, just so you know. Uh, Troy Rogers emailed before my last Kelp Father evening show. I got my ticket. See you there. I keep meaning to offer Pub Songs feedback. Let me do so now. I love the new format. The latest episode, How America Saved Irish Music, is one of my favorites of your albums. To hear you and Jamie discuss everything that went on, it's gold. Excellent podcast. Pamela emailed, Mark, I fell asleep listening to hashtag Pub Songs last night. Your voice is so soothing and the music is just right. So my brain settles down and sleep. I woke them this morning with a smile because of you and your music being in my ears. Thank you for all you do to share this wonderful music and yourself. Blessed be, Pamela. Thank you, Pamela. I really appreciate it. I'm glad I could help you get a good night's sleep. <laughs> hey, I am planning an episode, which is going to be the Celtic Invasion Vacations episode. It's going to be a special to highlight travel. And I would love your questions. Again, send them to mark at markgun.com. Let's get back to the music. Bedlam Bards is up next with Johnny Jump Up from their album Furious Fancies, followed by an interview with Cedric about laughter hypnosis. Yes, that's a thing. Let me tell you a story that happened to me one day while I was down at your by the sea. Sun, it was bright and the day it was warm. Says I, a client, pine wouldn't do me no harm. Well, I went in and asked for a bottle of stout. Said the barkeep to me All the beer is sold out Try whiskey, try patty Yes, and know what Says I, you try cider I heard that it's good Oh, never, oh, never, oh, never again If I live to be a hundred or a hundred and ten Fell to the ground and I 
I couldn't get up Had a drinking a quart of that Johnny Jumbo well, After leaving the dirt I went back to the yard Where I bumped into Profi, the big civic guard Come here to me, lad, don't you know I'm the lad? So he up with me fist and I shattered his jaw He fell to the ground with his knees doubled up But it wasn't I hit him, it was a Johnny jump up Next thing I saw down in your by the sea Was a cripple on crutches and he said to me I'm a beard for me life, I'll be hit by a cart Won't you help me on over to the longshoreman's bar? After drinking a quart of that cider so sweet He threw down his crutches and he danced in the street Singing never, oh never, oh never again If I live to be a hundred or a hundred and ten Fell to the ground and I couldn't get up Had a drinking a quart of that Johnny Jump up Well I went back to Bedlam a friend for to see Well they call it the madhouse near Cork Cannery By the time I got there the truth I did tell They had that poor booger locked up in a cell Now the jailer he said Say these words if you can Around the rugged rock, the rugged rascal ran. Now tell him I'm not crazy, tell him I'm not mad. It's only a sip of the cider I had. Oh, never, oh, never, oh, never again. If I live to be a hundred or a hundred and ten, fell to the ground and I couldn't get up. Had a drinking a quart of that Johnny Jump in union by the name of McCrack and they washed him and they laid him outside on his back and after all Connor his measurements did take his wife took him home for a bloody fine wake about 12 o'clock and the beer was high when the corpse he sets up and he says with a sigh I can't get to heaven he won't let me up till I bring him a quart of that Johnny Jump up oh never oh never oh never if I lived to be a hundred, but a hundred and ten Fell to the ground and I couldn't get up I had a drinking a quart of that Johnny Jump Potentially that female, I, don't, I can't tell if she's too young Yeah, I think she looks too young Yeah, yeah, she's, she's got a slightly youthful look on her face Plus that teenage disgruntled pout Yeah, yeah, <laughs> So that's that so that's, yeah Yeah, see, it's all about selecting the right group of people. Bye. Now, you look like fun-loving people. Are you fun-loving people? We are. We like fun. Oh, what oh. kind of fun? Oh, see, well, the best kind of fun. But now, see, I have a secret I can entrust only to truly fun-loving people. Okay. And I was ready to just tell you based on, on just the overall look. It's sort of a profiling thing. <laughs> yeah. But now you've cast dispersions. Yeah. I'm going to have to give you the security test. Okay. Make sure that you are fun-loving enough because we cannot let the secret fall into the hands of the boring. <laughs> if that happens, the Saracens win. <laughs> hey, they laughed at the Saracens. <laughs> All right. So, but I'll tell you what. I'll make it easy for you. I will give you the answers before we start. Oh. You wish they'd done that in school. You know, if they, if they had done that for me, I would have finished the fifth grade. Oh. Worst three years of my life. <laughs> All right. So, gathering close, gathering close, especially you, you uh, ladies right here in the middle, gathering real close. All right. Thank you. Now, the answer to every question on the fun-loving person's security test is always going to be yes. Can you answer that way? 
Yes. Yes. No, no, no. Enthusiastically, <laughs> like I said. It. Yes. Gonna, yeah, yeah, like that. Like, can you answer that way? Yes. yes. Very good. Pretend you've had beer. All right. Yeah, so. <clears throat> First question is, do you indeed, as I suspected when I first saw you, truly love fun? Yes. You like to laugh? Yes. You like music? Yes. You like music that makes you laugh? Yes. You like jokes? Yes. You like dirty jokes? Yes. Right, my people. If you dirty jokes, will you laugh loud? Yes. Will you laugh long? Yes. Will you trip well? Yes. All right. Yeah. We'll keep working on it with you there. Yeah. So. The secret is 30%. that the Bedlam Bards, an act of balladry with violins, will sing dirty, naughty songs today. Songs about things that she is still trying to get you to do in the bedroom. Right? <laughs> I don't mean dishes and laundry. I mean, you know, that one thing, we sing about it. Bondage, discipline, sex with chickens. It is, yeah, it is. It is yes! Loud. Yes! Yeah. All right. Yes. That joke was foul. Yes! Uh, yes, yes. All right. So, this is a front row pass to the shows your mother warned you about. They will happen at the Three Stags Pub, which if you look through the forest, you won't really see because there's stuff in the way. Uh-huh. But it's right over there. Okay. Like, if you look as far as you can, you'll see that tan building with the dark archways. Right. You have no idea the power of the dark archways. <laughs> but in there is where the infamous 1230 Dirty and the 330 Dirty happen every day. Right. Guess when they are? 1230 and 330. Very good. Yeah, we used to do the 330 at 245. <laughs> Nobody made it. We used to only do one dirty show a day. Uh-huh. But do you know why we, why we do two dirty shows a day now? We found out women like to come more than once. Uh, <laughs> don't look so surprised, sir. It's, it's true. Yeah, she's, yeah. So, this is a front row pass. With this, you and your friends may sit in the front row. As long as you get there when there's still room in the front row. So, get there early to get a seat. Not a good seat to get any seat. Get there early. Get a beer. Make sure you're fortified. It's a 45-minute show, which means we last much longer than most men. Yeah. I used to say twice as long as most men, and, and women were like, so it's a 10-minute show? What? Yeah. Two-minute show, all right. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. I'm sorry. I am so sorry about that. You know? Have you tried thinking about baseball? I was talking with musicians earlier, and we were talking about you know having music when you're you know in in flagrante delecto. That means yeah. uh, and and and, uh, and one of the musicians, I'm not going to reveal who it was, but it was Vince Conway. Said, um, you know, the problem with that is I get distracted listening to the music. Like, that's, a, that's a musician. One of the others said, oh, you know, I've got this amazing playlist with all the right rhythms. I'm like, yeah, you know, at my age, really, I just need a ringtone. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, this is a front row pass. I want to give it to the one who clearly stands out as the leader. The one who's, I'm, I'm excellent at spotting leadership qualities. So the one who really I can count on to get everybody there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank you. 1230 and 330. 1230 we'll and 330. Totally different show, songs yeah. at each show. Ah, yeah, nice. yeah. We know more than half an hour of dirty songs. <laughs> We're like professionals. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Yes. We do it this way here. What is your name, lady? My name is Vanessa. Vanessa, that's correct. Yes. So, Vanessa. <laughs> Vanessa, you have such a beautiful smile. Aww. But I beg you. Smile not over much at night, lest the birds begin their singing and the ants their labors, each thinking your smile is the dawn. Mm. I will 
I'll try not to. So you don't get your hand kissed often, do you? Uh, no. What am I supposed to do? No. Well, well, see, <laughs> well, 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 well here's the thing. No, see, a hand kiss, it's uh-huh. not about the hand and it's not about the lips. It's, Vanessa, it's, it's the about eye contact. The eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known. There you go. Oh, now you do that. Okay. Now you yeah, do right that. there yeah. he did it. So it's like, <laughs> hey, I kissed my own hand. All right. Yeah. All right. Very well then. Awesome. Before we part ways, I wish to give you the Bedlam Bards guarantee. If you come to the show and you do not laugh so hard that you pee in your pants, we will pee in your pants for you. All right. <laughs> Deal. I'm going to hold you. <laughs> Don't hold me while I do that, please. Yeah. And that is Cedric the Fiddler of the Bedlam Bards <laughs> rocking it. Let me grab some water before we talk. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm busting up laughing. So, so, so I am. This is Mark Gunn, the Celt Father, and uh, I was uh, last week. We had an awesome interview with uh, Cedric. If you hopefully you got to listen to it. If you did, I'll have a link in the show notes. But it was just totally awesome. He was talking about like music, um, life, and 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 all the good stuff of uh, of uh, how he he came to be who he is and doing what he is. But uh, one of the things that we did not touch on was. Uh, um, well, well, that—that's for sure. And uh, also, uh, he's also a, a, a licensed, a hip, no, not licensed, certified, certified. I don't know how that works. So, he's a certified hypnotist, and he has a company called Harmony Hypnosis. And we're gonna talk about some of that. And uh, I, I did want to, before we get uh, straight into the to talk about the Harmony Hypnosis, I, I wanted to find out about. Um, other tips and suggestions that things that you do that are just like it like that they're just so amazing <laughs> but uh, that to, to market and promote yourself at fairs and such I know it's like you for instance you have you have little cards with your show times I, I do yeah show cards when did you start doing that oh uh, we started doing that God, when we started doing it at, at the Oklahoma Fair many years ago because we were we had we had our show at the Blackboard Pub, and anybody who's been to OKRF knows that you have to go into the great big castle, go all the way to the back of the great hall, and go in through this little tiny door that nobody even notices, into this awesome modern pub, um, and and that's where we were doing our dirty show. And so if we didn't um, if we didn't tell people about it, nobody was going to make it there. And um, and actually, I'll, I'll be honest, there were times when I would notice uh, hot chicks at the fair, and I'd think, wow, I really want them to come to our show. And so I would I would, uh, I would, go up and invite them specifically, and I thought, wow, you know. And so for a while, I would have them shout the showtimes back to me, mm-hmm. you know, which kind of worked. It made them say it, and, you know, when you say something, you're going to remember it more. But I, uh, I started printing up show cards uh, with the, the times and the location and all of that. So, uh, yeah, so we could, it made, it makes it a lot easier to invite people. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, and I, and I always, I tell them it's a front row pass. Right. Because you want people to sit in the front row. That's true. I like that too. I didn't think about that, but that's very awesome. You know, they say you can't do comedy across a gap. Mm -hmm. And, um, we used to, we used to have this problem at King Richard's Fair. We had a pretty nice, uh, big venue, relatively big for, you know, what we do. And people would want to sit in the back like it was church. <laughs> so what we started doing is Hawk would, would start in on a joke or a story or a song or something. And I would go up to people near the back and I'd look and say, oh, party of five, we have your room right here up at the front. Come come with me. And I would just sit there like a maitre d' and reseat them near the front. Yeah. And that totally works 
until the first person says no. <laughs> Once one person has said no, you're shot. You have no more authority. You can't. You can't get anybody. Did you ever there. try starting the show from the back side of the church of the uh, of the church? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of things in the back row of a church. You, but, you let them sit. Mm-hmm. They all sit down in the back, and then you go. All right, now we start our show back here. You know, we haven't we haven't ever tried that. That's a that's a really good one. Um, yeah, I've, I've occasionally been tempted. You know, when you get the people who sit down with their back to the stage so they can eat, it's like seriously. I mean, there's picnic tables what do you here. Do? About that, uh, do you ever do you, you ever know, call him on it? I, yeah, but it doesn't do a lot of good. Really? Um, now, over at the at the Three Stags where we do our dirty show, I actually make an announcement at the beginning that Alamo Drafthouse rules apply. And people who live in in Texas know the Alamo Drafthouse, and they know they are incredibly strict about talking during right. the show and all that. So I, I tell them all seats face toward the front. Uh, if you're here to have a conversation, go outside. If you're here to have a beer, be sure to tip the wait staff, get some food before the show because it's a little bit longer than most. Yes, we're longer than most. Um, <laughs> and and then I, I deputize them all as ushers. I say if someone is speaking next to you and, and having a prolonged conversation and it's it's disrupting, uh, then you are hereby deputized to turn to them and say, Ush, 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 because you're an usher. Or... I'll, I hope you can say this on a podcast, but it's, you know, the adult pub, I say, or you can turn to them, smile very politely and say, could you either shut up or get out? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So that helps some yeah, to yeah. discourage that. But yeah, the sitting down with your back, it just, yeah. Mm. I, I, last weekend I had someone and I just wasn't in the mood for it. You know? yeah. So I was like, um, you can either, you know, right. turn around or leave. Right. <laughs> and, I, and I mean, I totally get it. But it just, also throws out, threw off my rhythm a little bit. Because yeah. so, I'm like, ah, I hate right. doing that, you know. But Yeah, it's so it's so tough because it's, it's not good. We used to have um, a, uh, a lovely lady that we referred to as our bouncer. Mm-hmm. And, and she would, of course, you know, jump up and down at some point to bounce. Which is very, right. very entertaining. But... But she was just very, like, tough as Neil's redhead. Yeah. And mother of four. So she didn't take anything. Right. So, yeah, when when we would be doing a show and there'd be a group of people talking, she'd just walk over to him and, and pretty much say what I just said a minute yeah. ago very politely. Wow. But tell him, you got to you gotta either shut up or get out of here. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> now she has a booth. Uh, <laughs> damn it. I hate it when people get respectable. I know, and I know, and I know. I um, any other tips that you uh, would suggest for, um, you know, putting... Uh, promoting shows or, or promoting your music in general. Do you have anything uh, that jumps out at you? Well, you know, I mean, everything about marketing that I know, I learned from you. So there's no no point <laughs> in true. me. No, most of, <laughs> now, now sales is a slightly different. Well, I'm thinking thing. about okay. Last weekend, you told me a little bit about uh, about this great idea about uh, having two tip baskets oh, well, yeah. at, at, on our stage. And the Bob last, yesterday we did our Bob Nagin Bart show, and we've never made so much of tips in our entire <laughs> career in <laughs> right. a, a weekend. It, it is weird. You know, how could I don't do that anymore? We should. I know. Really, you yeah, really should. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, wow, I don't know. We we have kind of worked out in certain songs when we we do verses that aren't on the recording. So we'll actually do a thing right in the middle of the show, talking about how hey, this is on the recording, but you can get that recording at the end of the show. Yeah. So we we kind of get to plant the seed yeah. a little bit earlier. Um, so gosh, it's that one. Let's go on uh, to harmony hypnosis. When when did you first get into hypnosis, and um, how did that come about? Well, that's that's a funny question. My mother used hypnosis to control the pain of childbirth. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Which. Um, 
and, and it, it's a really great story. It gives me a lot of bragging rights. It really didn't get me into hypnosis, except right. that I heard the story many times when I was a child. Right. So, so when I saw hypnosis in cartoons, I knew that wasn't what it really was. It is. You just stare deep into my eyes. You just stare, right, yeah. Whatever you want me to do, Cedric, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, it works like that. Yeah, the eyes are now spinning in a spiral, yeah. But, but no, I mean, I knew it was something real right, and, right. and something that actually worked. And so, man, it... It, it's it's a that question. There's always so many different things, you know. Because I, I studied uh, I studied literature and I started figuring out things about how the stories you tell yourself change who you are. And I wrestled a lot with depression and low self esteem when I was in in high school and college. Mm-hmm. And um, and I eventually had to start figuring out how to change my thoughts. And that kind of led me over to getting really interested in hypnosis and how hmm. that works. And uh, so, but it was really like 2006, I guess, around 2006 that I, I got really interested in it. I said, this is something I really want to pursue. And I went and got formal training and hmm. I've never stopped learning about it since. Yeah. I opened my practice in 2008 and wow. then relocated it in 2011 when my first office burned down. <laughs> Well, that, uh, yeah. How do you fix that with hypnosis? Uh, well, you know, well, I mean, a lot of nope. the things I'd learned yeah. did did apply. Yeah. You know, they did apply because I I, uh, I reframed, I gave a new meaning to what had just happened. You know, all the stuff I lost, I realized was tuition for things I learned. I learned I didn't have to have all the stuff around me uh-huh. that really that everything that really mattered to the business was there inside my head. Right. Um, and then the other amazing thing was. Um, uh, when the word got out, because I mean, other hypnotists around the world, we, we all get together online and, and uh, we know each other. And um, of course, the news of a big fire in Bastrop got out, and people said, "Hey, you know, doesn't doesn't James? That's what they call me. Live over there in Bastrop." And so people asked, and I said, "Yeah, my office just burned down." And um, before I knew it, they had set up a, uh, a crowdfunding page, Great. and hypnotists from all around the world came together to contribute money, and yeah. also they knew that my books had all burned up, and so um, they would go through their libraries, and anybody who had an extra copy of something, they would send it to me. Wow. Uh, authors sent me their books. Some people contacted authors, and, and so instead of having had one book, I now had three of their books that were autographed and a DVD, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. It ended up being a really great wow. library now, I rebuilt. Where is your uh, office? Now it's in Austin. It's in, it's Austin. in, Austin. in Austin. Yeah, Austin. it's at the intersection of uh, Lamar and 183. Okay. Yeah, cool. North Lamar and 183. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Yeah, it's, a, it's a sweet little place. Yeah. It's really very really cool. Nice. I didn't actually. I didn't hear that your your office had burned down either. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, the old one <laughs> went back in 2011. Wow. Okay. Um, so you set up practice in uh, 2011, no, you set it up in 2008, right? Right, yeah, initially. In, in yeah. 2008, and um, what kind of stuff is your focus? What do you, right. do you, I know you've gone through looking, trying to find your niche. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and really when I when I relocated to Austin, I, I decided to, uh, um, to focus on smoking cessation uh-huh. as my main niche. Um, and so about half the people that I see are quitting smoking. Uh-huh. Um, but I also, probably what I love doing most is helping people with stage fright and fear of public speaking. Because, really? I mean, I was a really shy kid. Yeah. And you can tell. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah, tell, yeah, totally. <laughs> and, and so I love helping people get over that. Right. And because I know how exciting it is when you yeah, actually yeah. get out and perform. Yeah. Um, so... 
And beyond that, all kinds of different fears. I've helped several people with fear of flying, fear of spiders. Um, actually, all the fear of spiders clients I've have or had are people who work at fair. Really? <laughs> because most people don't have to deal with spiders all that much, but you come out to, to the forest, and there's spiders everywhere. So how do you do spiders? <laughs> oh, you know. I mean, it's, it's all the same stuff. Right, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much pretty much the same thing. Um we basically cut and paste the confidence or comfort you have in one area of life onto a new area of life. So your automatic reaction to spiders is no longer, ah, it's more like, ah. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, Very interesting. It's, it's, uh, it's really fun. Uh, but <laughs> we had people who uh, had issues with gagging. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, one guy couldn't brush his teeth. <laughs> Because he would he would gag uncontrollably anytime he tried to brush his teeth, wow. and uh, I had another lady. She had to get dentures, and she had terrible gagging issues. She couldn't even use a full size fork oh, wow. before we met, and she said it was like a miracle. Wow! Uh, yeah. Huh. So those are those are really fun. I also I've helped a lot of people get over nasty breakups, yeah. um, and that's always a really rewarding one. Um, Let's see, what are some... Of course, well, oh, I've hypnotized a lot of belly dancers. Really? I've, I've actually done workshops specifically for belly dancers. Belly dance, and what about? Well, the, the thing is, a lot of women get into belly dancing because it's really fun, it's great exercise, and there's a, a sort of camaraderie. You, get, you have a group you get together with every week, and you yeah. do these dances. And then after about a year, they're told, well, it's time to perform, and you need to wear something kind of like this. And they go, oh, my God, how am I going to get up in front of a belly people and perform right. with this. So they get they get stage fright. And even once you push through that, still, oftentimes, um, the, the beautiful thing is beyond stage fright, there's really stage enhancement uh-huh. that we can do for people, huh. helping them to be more charismatic, more outgoing on stage. And so, and then there are little habits like the coat rack arms. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually sat down with several different belly dance instructors and interviewed them on the things they wanted their students to be better at. Oh, nice. And um, from there, created a product. I said, okay, well, these things I can help with, these things I can't. Yeah. And so I created a recorded product and a workshop where I would uh, teach them how to go into a self-hypnotic state, teach huh. them how to how to rehearse mentally when there wasn't enough space to rehearse physically. Right. Uh, wow. Yeah. So Interesting. Really so, so this is a, a lot of this is about conquering fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, have, have you encountered a lot of I mean, fear outside of, uh, in your own life that, that has helped that? I mean, the things, I mean, you say well, uh, when you were a child, when yeah. you were a kid. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, like I said, I was a painfully shy child and I was afraid of a lot of things and I lived in fear for long times. I lived in doubt for an awfully long time. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I mean, I, I really think learning to overcome all these things is part of why I have such a passion for right, helping right. people do that. Very cool. Um, now, one of the things you were talking about last week, and I have been anxious to hear more about it, is the uh, laughter yoga. <laughs> yeah. So um, what exactly is, when, when did it start, what is this, and how did it grow? Sure, yeah. Well, it started um, 21 years ago, 1995, um, in a park in Mumbai, India. There was 1985, a, you mean? You said 95. 95. 95. 95. That's, that's 20, no, that's 21 years ago. 
Do the, really? do the math, Mark. Oh, geez, yeah. I know. I know. Yes. Sorry, yes. Okay, so no. in Mumbai. I have the same problem. Yeah, I'm like, wait, I, how many years am I? No, I can't be nearly 50. That can't be right. 21 years no, ago. I'm, in, I just, in Mumbai, you said? In Mumbai, yes. Um, and there was a, a medical doctor there um, named Dr. Madan Kataria. Uh-huh. And he had uh, encountered the idea that laughter was the best medicine. Right. And he said, well, I want to put this to the test. So he and his wife, Maldry Kataria, who uh, was a yoga instructor, got a bunch of people together in the park. And they did a little bit of deep breathing, and then they told a bunch of jokes. And people laughed for about an hour and went away. They did this every day for about five days. And by then, they started running out of good jokes. And, in fact, they they started turning towards some not very nice jokes, and things started getting mean-spirited. People were getting offended and and uncomfortable. And, you know, and and a lot of people who were doing it said to uh, Dr. Kataria, you got to stop. This is is off the rails. It's not good. And he said, give me one more day. I have an idea of how to do this. So he went in the next day, and instead of telling jokes, he said, let's just laugh. Let's make laughing noise and trick our brains into thinking that we're amused. Mm-hmm. And so from there, uh, taking kind of the cue from his wife, the yoga instructor, they, they structured it like a yoga class. So you start off with some deep breathing, and then you go into some laughter exercises. And they're, uh, they usually use a little imagination. They're kind of silly. If you've ever been to an improv class, uh-huh. it's, it's very similar to an improv class at that uh-huh. point. So, for instance, you might stand in a circle and throw a ball around. And when you catch the ball, you laugh, and everybody mimics that laugh that you just did. (laughs) So um, it's all based on the premise that your brain doesn't know the difference between conditional laughter, that's when you laugh at something funny, or unconditional laughter, when you just laugh because it feels good to laugh. And, and the fact is, your brain, either way, is going to release endorphins the moment that you smile. When you laugh, it's going to release serotonin, which is your natural antidepressant, dopamine, which is your natural painkiller, and oxytocin, which is the love drug. <laughs> and it, it's the one you get when you are engaged in hugging or any kind of bonding exercise. Mothers right. holding their children feel it. Our dogs get a burst of oxytocin. Right, right. Um, I even heard a study that when people hear the, the text notification, they get a little burst of oxytocin. So you love your phone as much as your dog loves you. It's sad. It's sad. Nobody's tested cats. I, be, I think my cat gets oxytocin yeah, when I'm she's sure. loving on me. Um, but so, so yeah, we, we do these exercises. You make a lot of eye contact with other people. And it, it's interesting because some of these are total strangers, but you do feel more bonded to them right, right. by the end because you've been laughing and making eye contact. And And the other cool thing about it, and this is what what excited me as a hypnotist, is that we, uh, we play certain games that are related to unpleasant aspects of life, and you laugh during it. So there's like what they call bill laughter, where you pretend to open up your bills and look at the amount, and you sort of <laughs> laugh and cry at the same time, like, oh! <laughs> and you point it out to your friends, and they look at it, and then they show you theirs, and you commiserate, and, you know. Um, or we play red light, green light, where you start up your, your pseudo-car, bum, 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 and run around the room until the leader shouts, red light. And then you stop and just laugh uproariously until the leader shouts green light, and then you zip around the room. 
And when we first did this, I said, oh, my God, this is this is hypnosis. Uh-huh. This is restructuring your reaction so that instead of going, ah, red light, I hate the world. Right, right. You go, red light, ah. Yeah, that's and brilliant. It, it's really cool. I was just thinking about the, the driving, you know, the traffic the other day, and it was, uh-huh. it was, it was horrible. And I'm like, oh, God, oh. I can just right. imagine how that would make a big difference. It does. When you start laughing, oh, there's a car in front of me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's that's the cool thing. In fact, I'm working on a book right now called Laughnosis. Nice. And, and oh, I love it. It's all I about how I've applied this with my clients. Uh-huh. You know, uh, getting them really to, to use unconditional laughter to change their the reactions. <laughs> oh, it's 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 going to be very very cool. Uh-huh. You know, a good friend of mine, the guy who actually got me into all this, uh-huh. this guy named Dave Berman, um, and he has a Facebook group called Daily Laughers. Uh-huh. And every day this year, starting on January 1st, he's posting a 10 minutes or less laughter video. Nice. And he, uh, many of us. You get a link to that, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, totally. It is it is really cool. So he's promoting this idea of laughing daily, even just for a few minutes. Yeah. It totally changes your mood. It changes huh. how you feel about everything. Interesting. Yeah, so so check that out. And he's, he's doing Skype with laughers from all around the world. So they're sharing the different laughter exercises. Yeah, well, you know, well they're, so they're totally not anonymous. Right, like, yes, look yeah, at me, I laugh, I laugh. Uh, yeah, so it's it's very cool. It's a neat, it's a it's a movement. And, and Dr. Kataria's vision is world peace through laughter. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if I'll ever really get that, yeah. but it's a nice it's idea. A, it's a great idea. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so there there are laughter clubs, by the way, all over the place. If and you, you just, have some here in Austin as well. Uh, yeah. Well, the, yeah. There's a, an Austin laughter club meetup. Um, is that the one you do on Friday, or is that? Yeah, well, the the one I go to usually is is the one on Friday nights at at the Unity Church of the Hills. Um, but if at the uh, the meetup, there's actually several different laughter clubs uh-huh. in different parts of town laughter and different clubs. times of the week. Yeah, that cracks me up. Oh, it's yeah. Well, it should. <laughs> it should. It's just oh my gosh, it's so much fun, and you just let yourself go and have a good time. And it, at the end, we we do what's called laughter meditation, uh-huh. where you just lie down or sit in a circle or whatever and just laugh. And there's no game or anything. And at that point, the laughter is laughing you. Right. And it's it's this amazing thing, and and I'll I'll tell a story now. I don't, I don't know if this is a typical laughter yoga experience, but this is what happened for me. I was actually leading a class. I'm a, I'm a substitute leader for the one on Friday nights, and we're all lying there on our backs laughing, and you can kind of feel it through the floor, which is a neat part. And there's this one guy, and he's this he's this big, tall guy, and he's like a, a, a what is it? He's not a. Mm, not bounty hunter. That's not quite the term. But, he, you know, the dude who serves papers and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. you bet. He's got a really serious job, and he's a big, tough guy. And he just laughs like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> so he's just laughing like crazy. And I'm hearing his laugh, and it's making me laugh just to hear his laugh. And I thought, man, I love his laugh. And then I thought, I love him. And then I thought, I love everyone in this room. And I know it's the oxytocin speaking, right? <laughs> right, right. But I'm like, wow, it's so cool. And so then then we left. And we do a little grounding meditation, too, where it's silent and, or, or actually kind of a guided meditation. Right. And I often do that because I'm a hypnotist, and it's right, right. pretty much the same thing. And uh, 
so then then afterwards I left and I, I I needed to get a bite to eat so I went to get a bite to eat and I was alone in the restaurant I mean I have nobody at my table there's a bunch of other people and I hear somebody laugh at another table and I started laughing with them because <laughs> I heard them laughing and I'm like oh wow and I'm just getting, keeping it quiet <laughs> you know but I'm laughing there alone and then I realized in that moment I love everyone in this restaurant. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm sure my pupils must have been just like huge. I'm like, I love everyone. And and I'm, I swear there were no external chemicals involved. This was all internal oxygen. So then I got in my car and I started thinking about laughter exercises. And I started laughing. And I, I drove for like a good 10, 20 minutes laughing like crazy. And I'm, I'm, I actually was thinking to myself, am I safe to drive? I don't, but I was just laughing. My body was laughing. And I'm like, I don't know. Well, all right, well, let's stay alert. Even I'll let my body laugh and I'm going to stay alert. And, and uh, then I thought, you know, I probably, I probably drive better when I'm laughing anyway. And, but I realized I was stoned. I was stoned on oxytocin. And it was, it was just a, a glorious experience. I'm sorry, uh, Hazariga. I hate to pull you over, but you're driving crazy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Officer, I can't help it. I'm cracking up. I want to see that. There's one for Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Might actually be funny. That would, that, would, that would be that would be funny. People would laugh at it. But, but now that ability to to laugh, because I mean, yeah, I love I love humor. I love yeah. making people laugh, and I, I'm all down with that. But there's something about being able to laugh just because it feels good. Right. You know, and people take all kinds of pills and medications and smoke all kinds of things to try to change how they feel. And I'm like, you know, your actions do the same thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Pretty cool. <laughs> it is so much fun. That's a really cool way to bring this, wrap this start wrapping this up. Uh, let me find out a little bit more. Now, so you are here in Austin. Um, people want to find you. You have a website, right? Uh, yes. My hypnosis website is easy to find. It's hypnosisaustin.com. HypnosisAustin.com. Yeah, yeah. Nice and simple. Yes, uh, it is. It is a. How would you hypnotize someone into remembering HypnosisAustin.com? Yeah, I, well, that's that's a good question. Actually, you know, if you're if you're a visual kind of person who pictures things, just picture it written right there. Hypnosis, hypnosis Austin. H y h y p n o s i s a u s t i n c o m. Yeah, now if you're if you're a really physical kind of person, you could actually just imagine there's a keyboard in front of you. Oh, and imagine yeah. typing it out right now. If you're an auditory person, you could just say it to yourself: Hypnosis Austin, Hypnosis Austin, Hypnosis Austin, Hypnosis Austin, and uh, and just visualize yourself right now. Imagine how great you feel having gone to Hypnosis Austin and gotten those wonderful results. No longer afraid to give speeches or to talk at a meeting at work. No longer terrified by spiders. No longer chasing cars uncontrollably when you see them running off, barking at them like that crazily. And laughing the and whole time. And laughing the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> saying, awesome. <laughs> yes, I feel pretty good about that. I feel yeah. really good about uh, hypnosisaustin.com. Hypnosisaustin.com, yeah. yeah. You know, and if you can't remember it, just search for hypnosis where you are in Austin and you'll, right. you'll find me. <laughs> you'll find me. Now, I, we, we should talk about this in another one at some point, but the other thing I'm going to be doing in the next year is creating a hypnotic storytelling oh. class online. Oh, so, gosh. Yeah. Uh, man. It's going to be fun. Time-wise, they're not going to let me do that. We yeah, are going to have to get later, later. That's okay, because you have a book. When do you, do you have any idea when you want to 
finish this book? I do. Okay, we're not, yeah, not, yeah. not quite sometime, there. Sometime soon. <laughs> sometime soon. In the meantime, you can see uh, Cedric at uh, at the Sherwood Forest Fair. Yes. Uh, for the next, what, five weekends? Five weekends after this one. Five yeah. weekends after this one. And, and it's a great show. Come on out. Best fair ever. It's just one of the best fairs ever. <laughs> it's so really is, awesome. So, so awesome. <laughs> yeah, all right. All right. We're going to finish up. Um, if you enjoy this podcast, of course, go subscribe at kelpfather.com. And you can always check out Be- Bedlam Bards at bedlambards.com. And uh, that's about it. I will talk to you later. Go uh, like this thing on, fa- on iTunes as well. Talk to you later, Slauncher. Thanks, Mark. I was born on a rock where the stars didn't shine. Now I soar like a leaf on the wind. The clouds were polluted, the sea filled with brine. Now I soar like a leaf on the wind. I swore to myself that above it I'd rise. Sail over the mountains and into the skies. To see the stars brighter than man can devise. I'd soar like a leaf on the wind.
so that I can see you And I'll soar like a leaf on the wind 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 That was Leaf on the Wind from the Bedlam Bards album On the Drift, a music inspired by Firefly and Serenity. Oh, in that interview, I that we talked about the book that they were talking about. Well, that was several years ago that this interview was done. And the little book of Laphnosis, using the hypnotic power of unconditional laughter to change lives, is available now over on Amazon. Go, go get a copy. I just ordered mine. All right, now I mentioned the travel questions. Well, I also did an interview with Vince Conaway, who... It's brilliant. He travels the world playing Hammer Dulcimer. Has had some amazing experiences. If you're not following him on on Facebook and Instagram, and his he even has a live journal. <laughs> you should because he's he's brilliant. We're gonna start off with some music from his uh, newest album, Liminal Spaces. This is Fantasia Eleven. <laughs> And I am here with Vince Conaway, who, what what do you call him? He's the consummate busking musician and adventurer and traveler and such. So I met you at the Kansas City Renaissance Festival in 2000, 2000? I was going to guess, yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. And and at the time you were playing the bazooki? I was playing, you, I, whoa, at that time, I don't think guitar? I had the dulcimer out at all. It was a, you a had it Citern. Out. It I, was a, I, I okay, so it would have been 2001, I think, because I was playing in 2000, but I don't think I had the confidence with it yet. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was trading off back and forth between uh, the Irish Citern, a 10-string bazooki, basically. Yeah. 
and uh, and the Hammer Dulcimer. So I, I had started out; it was an entirely Citern show, and then I picked up the Dulcimer, and it was a Citern show with two Dulcimer songs. Then it was a Citern show with five Dulcimer songs, and then it's a Dulcimer show with two Citern songs, and then it was a Dulcimer show within about two years. <laughs> and uh, over the years, I've been watching you uh, tear it up with the Dulcimer. Uh, th- tell me a little bit about the Hammer Dulcimer first of all. Well, I can go on about that all day. Um, Sorry, you don't have that long. No, no, I didn't think that would. I didn't think so. Uh, basically, as far as we can prove, it's a 12th century instrument. It's probably older. Originally, it was a, a variation on a style of ancient Greek lap harp uh, that was plucked. And either the Byzantine Greeks or the medieval Persians were the first ones to hit it, probably with wooden spoons. Uh, but we don't have definitive evidence of it until the Crusaders show up. And so we know they stole it from someone in the neighborhood, but we can't prove exactly who. Okay. Uh, the Persians have a slightly better case, but there is a Byzantine argument as well. Um, from there, it spread all throughout the world. The Crusaders brought it back to Europe. It went along the Silk Road with the spice merchants, uh, ended up everywhere uh, throughout Europe, through China, through India, and uh, came to the New World with both the conquistadors and with the English colonists, and uh, then pretty much died out after the invention of the piano. So it's mainly today found as a folk instrument in mountainous, rural, remote parts of the world because pianos are really heavy. This is a, actually a great lead-in because now I want you to tell me a little bit about the, the instrument in Spanish. No hay problema. En español el instrumento se llama salterio. Es el antepasado del piano, como uh, dije... Pero después de arriba de los conquistadores okay. en Sudamérica... Okay, that's good. That's perfect. That's right. That's right. That's right. So one of the things that, that blew me away, I think... I, when did you start going to traveling uh, um, to Europe? Uh, and, well, the first... <coughs> Italy was the first one, right? Italy was the... Well, it depends on how you define traveling. Okay. I went to England and Italy on vacation okay. in January of 2006. <coughs> And uh-huh. ran across street performers and said, huh, that's cool. And I was lucky that four months later, I was back in Europe on a performance tour uh, playing festivals with the Aerial Angels when I was the right, house band right. with them okay. in, uh, in those days. And, uh, and while I was playing festivals with the Angels, I started doing a couple of street shows on the side. And the first European street show I ever played was actually in Bruges, in the Marktplatz at oh, Bruges. Wow. And uh, and it went, you know, I played for 45 minutes and made a couple euros and said, huh, that's interesting. And we were playing a uh, festival in Tuscany, right outside Florence in the little town of Certaldo, uh, which was cool because we got to play the courtyard where Boccaccio grew up uh, nice. as a Renaissance geek. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> and uh, so uh, while we were in Certaldo, I took a day trip and I played on a street corner in Florence for about an hour and I made like 15 euros. And I said... You know, if I do that a couple times a day, you know, because I had just been in Europe a couple months before and I knew how to travel really cheaply, I said, if I can, if I can pull in 30, 35 euros a day, that, that will cover expenses. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so the next, the next winter, I went whole hog and I booked four months. <laughs> uh, and I found out that I'm not actually allowed to do what I had done in Florence. I just got lucky that the hour I played, uh, no one caught me. And, uh, yeah, and I haven't looked back. I go back uh, fairly frequently. Yeah, you travel all over. You're most, uh, so from there, you what, what, what other countries have you done? Um, so let's break it down by continent. North yeah. America, my earliest international performing was at the Ontario Renaissance Festival in 1999, but that doesn't really count. All my love to my Canadian friends. <laughs> I spend a lot of time in the GTA, uh, Southern Ontario, but yeah, yeah. it's 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 not quite the same. Uh, for one thing, they don't stamp you when you drive in, uh, <laughs> right. so I can't prove those trips. Um, 
so in Europe, let's start with Belgium, which was the first concert uh, I played. I have played in uh, all over Italy, uh, Croatia, Greece, um, that's right, Greece, yeah. Austria. Yeah. Played a, a number of shows in Austria. And I think that's mainly it. It's mostly Southern Europe because historically, uh, February, March, April has been my travel time. And uh, why is that? Europe. It's because just the way my fare schedule works out. Uh, while I am, as you said, a, uh, a busker, consummate is an adjective I will uh, will happily accept. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> try and be humble about that. Um, but I am still uh, at root a renaissance festival performer renaissance festivals are still my bread and butter i play ren fairs about seven months a year and so the point of busking is it fills the gaps between my renaissance festivals Mm -hmm. and historically uh there has been a gap february through april um that is changing because the st louis renaissance fair has recently moved dates to the fall and so uh i am i'm in a little bit of limbo and i've got some cool ideas on what i can do with that in the future Yeah, and then the most recently, you've been hitting South America. South America, I did for the first time. Uh, well, I went on vacation to Buenos Aires in 2011. I had a little midlife crisis, and I wasn't sure how much playing I still wanted to do. I wanted to take a normal person vacation, and I went to Buenos Aires, and uh, and I missed the dulcimer the whole time. I was there. I was looking. I you can't stop looking at places to play. Uh, Paul Argobanzo calls it pitch eye. You're always looking for pitches. You're always mm. seeing places where foot traffic intersects with a place you can set up. And uh, the 10 days I was in Buenos Aires, I just really, really missed my dulcimer and really wanted to play. Uh, so a couple years later, I made it. I, uh, in 2014, I went to my first South American busking tour. I played all over Argentina and dodged into Chile and uh, also a little bit in Uruguay in Montevideo. And Chile was the best part. The five days I spent in Valparaiso was the the best part of the entire trip. And so three years after that, this last uh, January, I went back and focused on Chile. I spent seven weeks playing Chile uh, and then took a little week vacation. Except for your birthday, right? In my birthday, you know, (laughs) you're in Chile. I'm playing the breadth of Chile. So I flew into Santiago, uh, took buses south, and then played north from there and uh, finished the trip. Uh, the busking part of the trip in the northernmost uh, city of, uh, of Chile in Arica and then uh, from Arica I went uh, across the border and went to spend my birthday in Machu Picchu Machu Picchu how was that? that didn't suck <laughs> that was pretty amazing was, I, I was, read a little bit about it and it sounds pretty awesome it was fantastic well and I have to say Machu Picchu was amazing uh, but my parents as a, as a Christmas present had given me some money to uh to do Machu Picchu in style, and so I took this this nice. train uh, into into the city, which then takes you to the bottom of the hill, and then you take a bus up to the top. But but this two and a half hour train ride train ride includes well, an open bar, uh, <laughs> and so yeah, an open bar with some really nice. Anyway, and uh, the bartenders were very generous. Uh, on, on the strength of their beverages and uh, and there was most importantly from my point of view there was this amazing Andean band uh, oh, that okay. set up and played in the observation car it's a uh, you know it's a car that's all windows because it's a very pretty train ride for that, for that job in the oh, future oh that was a hard gig I mean it's 12 hour days 7 oh, days wow. a week it was it was because they come in with the train and they go out with the train and they were playing uh, at the uh, at the place where we caught the train and they, they played 
in the cafe when people take I mean it was that was a hard gig yeah. but they were an amazing band yeah. and uh, and they played my favorite Mexican folk song and, and yeah they were just mind-blowingly good uh, on the trip home they recognized the guy who was tapping his foot and they hand me, handed me maracas <laughs> luckily <laughs> nice. I was sober by that point so uh, <laughs> um, but I can't yeah, imagine was, you even drunk being that being bad at a musical was, instrument. Well, so, I, I don't. I think I sound great, so I'm the wrong judge. Um, yeah, no. As a general rule, I'm scared of breaking them. That's, right, that's I got the real that. Word. that I'll go with. I'll go <laughs> with like, that. That's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's very funny. I had a patron uh, last year. I won't mention what festival, but I had a patron buy me a beer in the middle of the day. I said, "Yeah, that sounds good. It's a warm day. I could use a refreshment." I found that I can play. At least, I, again, I wasn't so impaired judgment-wise that I think I, I played okay. But the problem is, is it impacted the show because I couldn't... The autopilot didn't work. Because normally I can devote 30% of my attention to the music, and then 70% of my attention goes to the audience. Right. Uh, but after just a single beer, I had to give 70% of my attention to the mm-hmm. instrument, which meant that I had a lot less left for uh, just you know the little things such right. as making eye contact uh, as well as the bigger things and explaining the instrument in my running commentary that I do while I play cool so a while back we did, I did an interview with you and I, I don't think I still have posted that I need to do <laughs> post that so that will probably go up soon but uh, and then I need I should do a follow up find, yeah. finding what you've learned since then oh. but that's for I another time listen, I need to listen to the other that's, interview that's for say, another oh, time in uh, the meantime in the meantime what I want to find out is um, well first off what was your some of your favorite memories from um, these, what, 11 years yeah. of, of, wow. of traveling to, to Europe or, or wherever to uh, playing these shows. What's really fun is when someone else's traveling matches up with mine, and it happens every year or two where I run into someone in two or even three different cities mm-hmm. uh, and they they are just doing their life. You know, this last trip, for example, uh, I ran into... I believe her name was Vanessa. I ran into her three times, I want to say, uh, because she was on vacation in the south at the same time that I was playing the south of Chile. And then I happened to play her hometown. <laughs> and so I saw her in Valdivia. I I may have only seen her twice, but I ran into her in Valdivia and I ran into her in her home city of La Serena. And I really want to say I also bumped into her somewhere else. And it happens not not terribly rarely where someone you know I'll be playing in Tuscany and someone will come up and say I saw you in Naples three weeks ago (laughs) yeah 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 you totally saw me in Naples three weeks ago (laughs) awesome what about uh, travel tips now I I would say you are like a master now so (laughs) what are your favorite now you you obviously travel solo yeah and um, you know obviously are fearless Uh, well it's funny because uh, it's kind of the opposite I'm I'm a little scared of everything are you really Do Uh, do you go into these new markets to playing shows and get a little freaked out when you. Oh yeah, really? no. The first okay, song. Okay, then I feel a little bit better. Yeah, the, the, the first song of every set, and the this rare is busking. I do. Oh yeah, it's. it's I have a ritual, uh, and this goes for certain stage shows as well. Um, when I'm playing a new festival or a stage I haven't played before, or any time where I'm feeling uh, at all nervous or intimidated, uh, my first song is always a song that I recorded 
on my CD Labyrinth many years ago, I want to say 2006, and it's the title track called Labyrinth. It's one of the first songs that I've ever written. And it's a song that's really good about putting me into the zone. It's a song right. that's really good. Uh, it's almost self-hypnosis. And, uh, and at this point, it's so familiar, and it's still one of my favorite pieces to play, uh, that I play it almost ritualistically, where the first song is for me. And after that, the show is for the audience, but the first song is for me. And so I'll set up on a street corner. It's a city I haven't played. I don't know necessarily uh, what the local regulations are. I don't necessarily know how friendly uh, other buskers are. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get in an argument with a beggar, which occasionally does happen. Because right. um, I'm in, quote, their spot. Um <laughs> And, you know, you can navigate around all of those. None of those are deal breakers. They're all fairly routine, but it's the sum total of not knowing what's coming that is intimidating. And so the first song is just head down, get through the tune, play the tune, concentrate on the music. And after that first tune, head up, I'm on. And then you're... And, and you feel uh, good and confident and exactly, but yeah. it's that first song that's for me that gets everything else started. What about for if you were talking to someone uh, who was saying, "Hi, I've been thinking about going to to Europe. Uh, is there any, any tips?" Um, yeah, I mean, are we? I've got lots of tips. Uh, don't pack too much. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, layers as always are are your friend. How many? Uh, pairs of clothes. <laughs> now I I pack very light because my. Uh, my suitcase includes uh, a whole bunch of CDs, yeah. as well as a fold-up, uh, dismantleable, dismantling, dis- tear-downable uh, dulcimer stand. Uh, I found over the years that the wooden ones I use at the festivals tend to get lost by airlines. Mm. Uh, they'd get to me, but it'd take a couple days. I mean, I wrapped one in hot pink fabric, and they still lost it. <laughs> that's the point where I said, okay, I'm going to build one of these out of two-foot lengths of PVC pipe. Nice. And uh, so I've got, I've got the stand. I've got... CDs uh, and toiletries and generally I will travel um, depending on the trip in South America I doubled this but when I'm in Europe I will wear an outfit and I will wear the bulkiest outfit a lot of times I street perform in a blazer and so that goes on my body onto the plane Um, but I will wear an outfit and I will pack three extra t-shirts, three extra pairs of underwear, three extra pairs of socks um and three extra de- dress shirts, or maybe one or two if I'm planning on shopping. That's yeah. the joy of Italy. Um, <laughs> true, true. And then, of course, over the run, uh, a lot of times, some as the CDs sell, some of that space may possibly be taken up by a pair of Italian dress shoes. Cause I've got <laughs> I was about to ask, kind you, of do, thing. Do you usually bring one pair, buy one? I mean, do you usually have one pair of shoes? I bring one pair with me. And I know you love your shoes. I love my <laughs> shoes. I have for someone who travels all the time. I have a ridiculous number of. of dress shoes I've got a couple other jackets too um, but yeah so I will and the thing about shoes as well is I, I walk a lot yeah. you know I will I will cover 5 to 12 miles a day and uh, so whatever pair of shoes I bring uh, don't necessarily survive the trip so as they're starting to go, I usually then buy a, uh, another pair of shoes, uh, hopefully <laughs> upgrading, which is fun. And uh, and then you break them in together. You know, you don't want to switch immediately to a new yeah. pair of shoes, especially buying Italian leather dress shoes. You right, know, right. it will become those will be the stage shoes. So I'll wear those. I'll wear those uh, two two-hour busking sets a day. And then the shoes that I brought are the ones that I walk around in. And over time, I phase in the new shoes wow. as the old shoes die. <laughs> what other tips do you have um, for this person who's uh, wanting to travel? I, I I like to say get to know a place. Um, 
don't overschedule your uh, your trip. You know what I what I tend to say for Italy especially, and I, I actually at Penzik I teach a class for cool stuff to see in Italy that's off the beaten path. Oh, really nice. Um, but Penzik the SCA event. Uh, so what I usually say is, if you're going to hit the big three, the big three in Italy are the big three for a reason: Rome, Venice, and Florence. Uh, don't necessarily give them equal time. Uh, take time out of Venice, whatever you're planning. Take time away from Venice and spend it in Rome. Rome has ridiculous amounts of things to see. I have spent cumulatively months of my life in Rome and there's still something new I see every time. There's just so much there. And Venice is gorgeous. Venice is amazing and Venice is dying, so see it. Uh, But there is once you've spent a day in Venice, once you've spent two days in Venice, you have seen Venice. Um, If you are there on a honeymoon, that's a different thing. You're not necessarily there to see Venice. It is the most romantic place on earth. Um... So uh, so that's a different consideration. But if you are planning a big three tour of Italy, take time out of Venice and spend it in Rome. Uh, and take a day trip out of Florence and go see Luca and Siena. And I love Pisa. Pisa is amazing. It's a wonderful place to play music, uh, but it's not worth a day on yeah, its own. It, it's too impressive. To, I, I, I like climbing the tower. That was it. You know, it's fun. <laughs> and uh, and downtown Pisa has some really cool medieval stuff. There's a church with uh, 15th century graffiti from a, an electoral campaign that's still there. And it, he defaced like half the church. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, but it's it's. Uh, it's glorious. It's beautiful. If you want to hang out someplace for a while, Pisa is a good base. Uh, but if you're if you want to see Tuscany, don't don't spend a lot of time in Pisa. Take if you're going to do a day trip to Pisa, split it with Luca. Luca's gorgeous. Yeah, uh, and like I said, if you're in Florence, go to Siena. Siena is is amazing. What is your absolute favorite place that you've traveled to? Oh, there are a lot of criteria okay. there. We'll go for top three. <laughs> top three. Okay, I will give you three different three different uh, uh, goals. Then, okay. my favorite place for busking, my favorite place for street performing, is uh, is Genoa, Italy. It is dirty. It is grimy. It is also uh, pretty much the largest uh, preserved medieval quarter in Europe. Um, it took a lot of heavy bomb damage in World War II, but the first two stories of most of the buildings uh, <laughs> survived. Uh, it's just the upper stories that tended to, to go bye-bye. So, uh, yeah, it was... Yeah, World War II was not generous. But it was... It was uh, it's still a beautiful uh, medieval... Well, I shouldn't say beautiful. It is a very well-preserved uh, medieval core. It's huge. And uh, it's sprawling. It's these six-foot-wide streets and these, these you know, very tall six-story buildings on either side. And it's incredibly atmospheric for that. But be careful. It is a little grimy. It is a little more dangerous. Um, the most beautiful place I have ever seen is in Croatia. Dubrovnik, Croatia. Uh, now, I've been told that in high tourist season, it is absolutely overrun and just miserable. But I went there in early March. Right. And it was, it was deserted. And it was stunning. And I, I cannot wait to go back uh, one of these days. Uh, but like I said, hit it in the off-season. Because yeah. apparently, because it is the most beautiful place I've ever seen, other people say that too. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in line for the boat ride uh, from Bari, Italy, to go to Dubrovnik. And a gentleman behind me in line said to walk the city walls of Dubrovnik. And he said, if you don't take 100 pictures, at least, on that walk of the city walls, he said, you have no soul. <laughs> and I, I, I've been a traveler for many years at this point. Uh, 
And I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. I've been all over. I've seen a lot. So I count my pictures at the end, and it was like 127. <laughs> I, uh, that, was, that, was, that was a good tip. Um, so the third place, I have to say, is a bit off the beaten path. And I'm going to widen the, 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 the criteria here. A part of Italy that is very much neglected because everyone is going for the big three. And the big three are worth it. They are the big three for a reason. Um, but the boot heel of Italy, uh, Puglia, is glorious. Uh, if you are a medievalist especially, because all of these tiny fishing villages were just little fishing villages. The crusaders show up because they're all hiring a boat. They pour all of this money into the town. These tiny fishing villages become just blossom with 11th century, 12th century architecture. And then after the Crusades, they go back to being fishing villages. So they never tore any of it down. You know, these glorious, huge cathedrals are way more than you need to, to, to serve a little village of 10,000, 12,000, 30,000 uh-huh. people. And uh, they never withstood... Uh, urban uh, expansion because the cities peaked in population at that time and they weren't worth bombing. So these cities <laughs> are just beautiful. Ostuni, Lecce, um, Trani uh, are the uh, are, are probably the, the three prettiest. And then uh, to, just to broaden the uh, Barletta is, uh, is rather pretty. And just that entire coastline is beautiful and it is uh, very very sadly neglected although it's starting to get a little more uh, English a little more tourists uh, because EasyJet has started running uh, cheap flights daily from London nice and so uh, so the Brits have found it that's fantastic um, all right so now your music you play the hammer dulcimer I do. and you have what is a uh, name one of your favorite songs you've written on the Hammer Dulcimer from these albums? You have a new album too. Which I, is do. Dulce, I do. I do. Dulcimelos. Dulcimelos. Dulcimelos is the word, the phrase in Latin that evolved into the word dulcimer, uh, and it literally means sweet sound. Uh, melos is also the root word for what we is use. Is that all original melody. music? Or? It is not. It is. Uh, it has a little bit of original on it, but it is all over the map. Okay. Uh, my guide for Dulcimelos was I wanted to give kind of a, a handy survey all over over what the dulcimer could do. So it's got uh, a medieval core. It's got uh, a number of Renaissance tunes. It's got a couple Baroque tunes. Uh, Bach is fun. And uh, it also has uh, a couple of Celtic tunes. I have four or five Celtic tunes. And I have, I believe, three original tunes on there as well. And, uh, yeah, I am, I'm quite pleased with how it came out. I'm quite proud of it. Awesome. All right, and you can find that at vinceconaway.com, where you also have a travel blog, right? You pretty much I do. You blog about your travels? I do, and then I'm and through the photos. website. Yes, yes, and, and that's the, where all of the other social media ties in. Which is really cool, but you can also find him on Patreon, yes. where you can uh, get a little bit more of, uh, and help support him as he travels the world and shares his experience, which I think is just brilliant. I mean, I, I, yours are one of my favorite things to, to, watch, to look Thank at you. Facebook, it's, because there's always something interesting to it's a lot of fun. I really am pleased that uh, that with social media I can share it. You know, yeah. the first couple trips I took, uh, I had a, I didn't even have a blog at that point. I had an email list where I had people sign up, and I had twenty or thirty people that I sent these emails to. And I have since imported most of those emails from the first trips into the blog, uh, oh, nice. so they are out there. Um, 
But yeah, I have really enjoyed being able to bring people with me. And then Facebook is kind of the center hub. But Twitter I love because it lets me do a little more... You know, this is the thing that I'm doing right now. On Facebook, it gets a little more of the generalities. And then Instagram as well is a yeah. little more of these are the, the, the six photos that I've seen today where Facebook might get one of those that, that, is, right. that is kind of the highlight reel. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it was my pleasure. It. It's always my pleasure, man. Oh, I love, love hearing your stories. Thank you. So, all right. Check out VinceConway.com, and we'll talk to you later. Sancho. Cheers. Riding on a load of hay, also by Vince Conway from his album, Liminal Spaces. A little bit of news. So I am in the process of moving. Uh, over the next two months, I'm going to be moving to Atlanta, Georgia. I am super excited about this move, but it, it has me a little bit stressed. I have so much to do and so little time to do it. Nevertheless, here I am creating a podcast just for you. So I hope you enjoy this show. Uh, I will probably get back to a regular at least two episodes per month schedule starting in July. But for now, I'm going to stick with just one episode a month if I can pull those off. <laughs> uh, season three of Coffee the Kelt Father ends on April 17th. And that means that's this Wednesday. I'm also planning to make changes for the next season, which will be in the fall. If you don't want to miss one of these shows that might pop up on occasion, make sure you follow me on Facebook and on YouTube. 
Mikey Mason just hit his big milestone, which secures eight more episodes of the In The Verse podcast. This is our podcast uh, all about Firefly and Serenity. We're writing songs based on episodes of the TV show Firefly. And that means we're going to do, we're going to write eight more songs. I got a song that I'm going to share at the end of the show to give you a taste of it. My other band, the Brobnagging Bards, are launching a Kickstarter in July. Subscribe to our mailing list and podcast right now. We have lots of content coming out. And if you want to help me move, buy a shirt, please. I do have my Kilt Father shirts. They are up on my store at magerecords.com. Every purchase helps. And since I'm not selling much else through the store because all of my merch is packed up, I'd appreciate it. Next up is Fair to Midland. This is The Water is Wide from Kilts, Kelts, and Kippers.
water is wide and I can't cross over. Neither have I wings to fly. Build me a boat that can carry two, and both shall go. My love and I, and both shall go. When I went solo in 2009, I was a little bit nervous. I was trying to start over as a solo musician. So I sat down with people like Vince Conaway, uh, Robin Hood, uh, the Robin Hood show that uh, appears at a lot of Renaissance festivals, and the artist who's up next, Paolo Garbanzo. He's a juggler, and he shares some of his adventures and his own travels that he does. Here's Adventures in Juggling with Paolo Garbanzo. This is Mark Gunn, and I am here with Paolo Garbanzo. Yes, we are rolling now. Sorry, I didn't tell Hi. you that. <laughs> Paolo Garbanzo, a master juggler. A master juggler? What is that, that that term you got in England when you... Uh... Uh, that would be Jester of Muncaster Castle. All right, right. Honorary Jester of England. Yes, Honorary Jester of England. and that's, that's It's no like joke. a Miss America for jesters. <laughs> and that gets weird images. I don't know. Yeah, I killed it in the swimsuit competition. <laughs> Uh, not only is Paolo extremely funny, or at least uh, maybe just for me, I don't know. I, I laugh my uh, my butt off every time I'm around you. Thanks. But um, but he also is a, a bit of an adventurer, and he's does a lot of traveling. Uh, not only has he been doing it as as a juggler, uh, but as as he's recently with a some travel vacations that he's doing excursion guide, excursion what's called Ren Adventures. Yes, Ren Adventures. An, an idea he stole to- entirely from me absolutely. And, I, and made it so much better than well. absolutely <laughs> which I, I love I love that I love that aspect but um, what I want to talk about is, is adventuring in, in just your, in general in, adventuring in yes I, no adventuring I think adventuring in general I think is good because that could go everything from Dungeons and Dragons to, <laughs> I got some stories there to, uh, just one time <laughs> to uh, of course traveling to Europe so tell me yeah. about uh, what was your first trip to, uh, to Europe well my first trip to Europe, honestly, was uh, to teach at the circus school uh, in Turin. That's a and joke, right? No. <laughs> no it sounds like a start of a joke. No, I, I, um, uh, it was uh, seven months, uh, most of a school year. Um, I had never actually, I mean, I've been to the Bahamas and Mexico, but that was been the before times when you didn't actually need a passport. Um, and, uh, you know, so it was like, oh, well. Uh, thanks to the internet, I got this job, and wow. uh, yeah, they were, there's a. Oh, I mean, this was 2003, so it was just before the uh, the it was just before the Winter Olympics in Turin. Wow! So they were doing a whole bunch of construction and things like that, and. But I tell you, before the Olympics, no one spoke English in Turin. Right. Oh my gosh! Um, but so I was like, your Italian was pretty strong then. No, it wasn't. It was terrible actually back then. <laughs> um, back then, back in the day, I mean, it was okay. It was passable, but it was definitely not. You know, I'd get to a point and I'd be like. I don't know if he told me that the bus was at three or there were three buses at six. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, I have no idea. So you, you, know, you taught there. And then uh, now it seems like you tour. Yes. In, in well, that's the thing. So, you know, once, you, once you're there, right, then you meet all these people. And, of course, I'm teaching circus kids uh-huh. who then 
are you know going. Some of them were already professionals, you know, and and doing pretty well for themselves already, and they just wanted some extra learning. When they were like, "Hey, would, are you you're going to be back here next year, or like, are you going to be here in summer? Like, there's a there's a festival. Maybe we could get you to come in and like do you know we could all juggle." And I was like, "Sure." Were, were you, you doing know. juggling full time then? I mean, were oh, you yeah, doing yeah, a lot? Yeah. Oh, sure, How, yeah. When did you start? When did I start? Oh, well, I see. mean, you know, it's juggling. You started started juggling when I was twelve. <laughs> okay, um, I got my first. Paid gig probably when I was like fifteen or sixteen. Wow! And then, um, and then in college we started juggling with a group, and then uh, that you know, of course that that group broke up. You know, we broke up the band because everyone had a everyone had a different definition of what the term I would like to be a professional juggler well, oh, that, is. That's the, always the and, big challenge, yeah. Yeah, you're like, really? I, I thought being a professional juggler meant I was going to tour around and get the jobs that I wanted to, you know, like, trying to get. And that was not what everyone else thought it meant, yeah. so... Everyone has different opinions, yeah. yeah. It's like being <laughs> in a band. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so, then, you know, so then eventually I was a solo artist, and then um, I was solo artist on the Renfair circuit for, like, a year and a half, and then the picked up the Karamazov brothers or they picked up me rather um, and then I toured with them for two years and then weirdly enough uh, not that it's not that it's ever all about money but um, I was actually doing better as a solo performer booking my own shows than I was with yeah. touring a sh- you know with a touring show that I was not in charge of so which is kind of how it is and, and with, with solo it's why you find so many Scottish and Irish solo musicians yeah. out there because they're like I make more money this way uh, yeah. <laughs> and you know I mean it's like but then uh, you start missing playing with a band but right, but right. then you and got Carl so Ash fun, right? oh yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah and we uh, well we do the night nice show together um, right. and uh you know, and, and I will occasionally get the Fools of Fortune together. We're uh, it's like a few jugglers uh, that I can get together for a few months, a few weeks. Actually, we're going to be here for the last three weekends of uh, Sherwood Forest uh, as Fools of oh, Fortune. Wow. Yeah, so we're going to get uh, a couple people together and do the show, and maybe there'll be mouse traps. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we're we're, we're hoping. Right. Now, oh, last I remember, the last tour, big tour I remember, I think you were going through Germany, is that right? Yeah, well, that uh, was, like, was that... so So for a while I was there, like, June, July, August. Oh, okay. And uh, so I'd go through England uh, to my castle, and then I would <laughs> shoot on down to Germany, and then cross Germany, like, for a month and a half, and then do the Czech Republic, yeah. um, which is a show that I do almost every year, even if I don't have another tour going on, I'll just... I'll just shoot over there and do that Why? show. Why the Czech Republic? Because it's gorgeous. Really? Oh, my God. It's a beautiful town. Chesky Krumlov, uh, which is spelled... Yeah, I've heard you talk about this. C-E-S-K-Y. Krumlov is K-R-U-M-L-O-V. Uh-huh. And it is a gorgeous city. It's a, The entire city is an UNESCO World Heritage Site. The entire city. Wow. And uh, it's just... It's, it is literally... I mean, it's been in a ton of movies. It was in... Um, the Illusionist uh-huh. uh, with Edward yeah. Norton. Um, it's 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 like this is the one you film when you're like, uh-huh. we need a good shot of some gorgeous medieval town. Oh, go to go there and do it. You know, and, like, <laughs> and you just take a shot. Zoom. Um, in, right. Yeah. So um, it's just great, and I have a great time there. And the, the people are really awesome. And I, I'm you know, they put me on this giant stage in the middle of this giant piazza where there's like thousands of literally thousands of people, and they're like. This Americanski from uh, from uh, United States of America. He's going to juggle, and you know, it's uh, it's crazy. It's hilarious. I mean, because I don't speak Czech. I speak like twelve words of Czech right. adequately. And the rest <laughs> I destroy. Uh, and then we just have this really great fun 
time trying. It, basically, it's a show about me trying to speak Czech and juggle at the same time. And <laughs> oh, okay, so you yeah. do speak Czech during the show? Yeah, yeah or attempt to. Attempt yes. to. Yes. 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 Yeah, I've, I've done that before. Well, not yes. Czech, yes. but <laughs> but you. Uh, that's you, you're taking your on one of your adventures. Did you already do that yes. one? Or no, no, no. We're going to that in June. That's the one you t- June. you're coming mm-hmm. in June. And where's that going to? That's. Well, basically, so we're just going to Chesky Krumlov because the festival's three days. Uh-huh. And then there's also, like, rafting, and there's some theaters that we're going to go see that are near there, which are incredible. Are there's you staying a, in one place? or like I For half the tour, okay. we're going to be in Chesky Krumlov because there's a Baroque theater. One of three surviving Baroque theaters exists in that city. Um, the rest of it burned to the ground. Um, and uh, the rest they couldn't fix, right? Yeah, gotcha. Uh, and uh, amazing, amazing place. You know, it's like uh, Baron Munchausen, you know, with all the sets right. and the drops and all the sound effects and the machines and all these things. And this, oh god, it's incredible. Huh. The machinery is, is amazing. Yeah. And uh, so we're gonna be there for a few days. There's, we're gonna, like we said, we're gonna raft. We're gonna do some other excursions there, and then we're gonna go to Prague, and then do for like five days and do. Excursions from there. Okay, now I, I I'm here at the at Sherwood Forest Fair, and I've already gotten people saying, "Oh, did you see this Rent Adventure with Paolo Garbanzo?" And 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 what I was really intrigued with is that again, like I said, you did it bigger and better than I did. Is that you have like multiple lined up already? Yes. And what all? Can you just tell me? Go ahead. And well, it's really started. We we and said, you're doing the multiple musicians too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're uh, artists. Yeah. We're doing. Uh, so we. It, this all started uh, we were going to do New Year's because we were like well that's not when let's, let's we don't have any gigs you know we don't you know yeah. so like we're, we're free at New Year's so like let's do New Year's and we I would say thanks Carl Ash for being such an amazing uh, promoter that he we, we filled it up in literally like uh, 12. 12 and we filled it up in the first yeah we want to keep them small we right. don't we're not we're not out to like 35 people woo you know because the point of it How is kind of traveling just, in Giuseppe um, usually well we, we hire a vehicle okay and then uh, and, and then they're you know we know a guy yes you know <laughs> and uh yeah, so it's great. So we go, we we filled it up uh, like amazingly fast before right. we even left Sherwood. So we were like, oh well, maybe we should do another one. So we and Carl loves Tuscany, so we were like, well, let's go to Tuscany. So then we filled that one up, and then we said, well, and then they moved the dates of Sherwood so that we had February open. And I was like, well, why don't we just do Carnivale in in Sicily? And he was like, okay, let's do that. And then we filled that up, and then. So we have uh, we have two more tours. We have the, another Tuscany tour and a and the Czech Republic tour. They're not full, but uh, you know we have we have a group. Right. So, um, and then my Czech tour because because Carl's going off somewhere else. Uh, he's going to going to Tuscany. Um, the guys from Volgamont were like, "Well, we're going to be in Germany. Let's all meet up." And I was like, "Oh, okay, sure." So uh, nice. so, so they're bringing some of their fans, and we're going to all meet up in Ger- in uh, Czech Republic and uh, do the show there, and then. Wander around Prague for a while, so it'll be great. That sounds pretty cool. So you are bringing others. And I think you aren't there some uh, washing well winches. Or, we are or? in the midst of trying to figure out uh, for 2018. Okay, probably October. This is not nailed down because it's really hard to nail down the washing well winches. Uh, uh, that, that was there's that, no that was not a <laughs> that didn't came out. The that moment. was that came. Never mind. <laughs> If you know what I mean. And what I mean is that it's really... Yes, they, I got you. I, got, I understand very, what you're saying. I think you, these people do, too. They're very busy. So, 
so yeah, but it looks like it's going to be October 2018, okay. maybe a Halloween in Ireland and Wales. Oh wow! And like do this dual thing where we take uh, a ferry across the uh, Hollyhead. Where yeah, so <laughs> nice. Yeah, so uh, yeah, because uh, we were talking about Wales because there's the best castles <coughs> in England. Yeah, yeah. In, in oh my gosh, Great yes. Britain or in Wales, uh, and they were like, but what about? Drinking in Dublin, and I was like, "Well, all right, you know." So, um, so yeah. So it, it, that's that might be a giant, giant tour with a lot of. You yeah. know, basically, the more people go on the tour, the more washer well wenches we can have on the tour. Right, right. So fortunately, there's a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so bring your friends, and you get an extra washer well wench. So it's kind of like a bonus. <laughs> with all your traveling, um, what kind of can you uh, give it? What's your favorite uh, place that you've ever been to? Oh my gosh. Uh, it's that's it's it's okay. impossible to say because not, I'm not being I'm not even being diplomatic. It's more the like this has you know Cinque Terre has the mountains, the crystal clear blue water, you know, and you you, you know what I do there is uh, it's on the it's on the Italian Riviera. You go hiking in the morning and then. You know, you end up in some town, so you have a little lunch in a cafe somewhere, and then, then you, then it's hot, so you go swimming in the crystal clear blue water, and then <laughs> you get out and you have a little food, and then you go do shows at a piazza of whatever town you're in, and then you go drinking with friends, and and you wake up and do it all again, and it's like that's pretty awesome. So then, um, that's your summers and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sometimes. But then you know, like Chesky Kremlov is a gorgeous city with a lot of history and you know a lot of other things going on. So you know, you're like, well, what do you want to see? What do you want to do? And sometimes I'm in the mood for you know amazing theater, and sometimes I'm just in the mood to go swimming. So yeah, um, so many. Th- I mean, Baden Baden in Germany is uh, yeah. amazing. The baths there, yeah. actually, you know, like originally Roman baths. Pretty much everywhere in Germany that there were hot baths, the Romans were because they were like, <laughs> wait, 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 we hot like- water without having to like burn a ton of wood. We're there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Bonus. <laughs> <laughs> so just, and uh, you know, so V. <laughs> yes. yeah, exactly. Bonus. Bonus. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know. So yeah. It just kind of depends. In English, up in the Corny Fells, uh, up in uh, Cumbria, freaking gorgeous, and just like uh, there's this place. Derwent uh, has those pencils, mm-hmm. and they're very famous. They're coloring pencils for uh-huh. you know, coloring landscapes, and you're kind of like, these are weird colors, and you're like some sort of weird burnt umber kind of thing, and this kind of off green green, and then you go to you go to Cumbria, and you're like, oh. That color is that bush. That, <laughs> that color is that specific tree bark color. And you're like, oh, that's why they have those weird colors. So the place is just fantastic. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's like, can you have a favorite? Earth. Earth is my favorite place. It's where, I, A, it's where I keep all my stuff. Okay. How about a little easier one? Huh? Favorite, best travel tips? Oh, gosh. Um... Well, you know, kind of. That just depends on where you are. If you're in a big city, you know, always be careful. Just, you know, don't don't be a target. And and I, you know, it's not like there are. Yes, there are terrible places to be, but you know, and there. Have, have are, you ever been uh, robbed? I've been accosted. They never succeeded. So because um, you have your juggling knives, so of, of <laughs> well, almost sharp double juggling you know, knives. There's this, there's, this, there's this kind of strange thing that that they'll do. I mean, if you, especially if you're alone, a couple of guys will try to like divert your attention and yeah. be like, hey, look at this, look at this. And meanwhile, the guy's just 
grabbing into your pockets. Don't have anything valuable in your pockets. <laughs> you know, um, don't have anything that's easy access. You know, that's that's kind of like my like general. You know, because uh, you know, because you just never know. You're on a crowded subway. Some guy picks pockets. You know that that's you know um, travel. Vaguely light. I mean, you know, if you're especially if you're like in Europe or something like that, it's not like you need to take a lot of clothes with you because go buy some, you know, like, like just, you know, just travel, you know, travel light and maybe get a new shirt. You know, you can get an Italian cool guy shirt that you're like, I feel like a cool guy with this shirt on. That's what I think you should do and help the Italian economy. <laughs> what about like getting over there? I mean, do you, uh, how do you, oh. do you travel well on the um, Yeah, yeah, usually, usually. There, there was that one time where um, when I went to the Czech Republic to do the festival, they totally lost my luggage. And I, and what did you juggle? I juggled <laughs> wine bottles, bananas, a chair, and just other stuff. Juggler's got so easy. Yeah, you just like I have I an like, auto harp. You could juggle a chair. <laughs> yeah, you can probably carry on the auto harp. They don't let me. They do. don't. They don't let me carry on the knives. So, so like Too all funny. my see, yeah, literally, it was like I have some bean bags. That was the only thing that I had in my carry on. Impressive. Yeah, and I was like, oh Time man, to get another I'm onion. So <laughs> uh, and I literally did the entire festival, and all my stuff showed up. The last day at the end of the day, uh-huh. I was like, "Oh, great! Just in time for me to leave. That's great." <laughs> right. But they were like super impressed because they were like, "Wait, you don't have props?" And I was like, "Yeah, I don't know. I'll find some wine bottles or something. It'll be cool." They're like, "What? You will juggle the wine bottles? That's very impressive." I was like, "Oh, really? yes, 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 it is. I planned this. The I whole totally planned this whole time. It's the uh, improvisational improvisational theater. That yeah. actually raises an interesting thing. Did you uh, get reimbursed by the by the airline? Do you end up buying clothes and having the airline reimbursed? Well, they found I know, my stuff. I mean, so that's but like, you know. there, there's like there's some law. I know. Okay, oh. so like. Uh, two years ago, I, I guess think not. They, they were. I guess not. Two years ago, they they had. Uh, um, I think we were in Donegal, and my my stuff didn't arrive. So basically, what they did is is they said we will send it to you mm-hmm. when it arrives. In the meantime, I had like two days or something of. I basically was buying stuff right on their penny. It turned out oh. they ended up reimbursing me. No, nah, you know, I mean, I had my basic stuff, you know, yeah. clothing and stuff, but I did have to borrow a costume. Yeah, I mean, I literally everything was gone, so I was like, oh my god, this is. But you look more checked. So, I did. Yeah, <laughs> yep. you know, and I ended up being on the crazy guys. I was like, not in my costume. I ended up being on the cover of their tour guide brochures. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? Like. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> That's awesome. Um, final places. Any other final things that would really for traveling, adventuring? What, oh what, what inspires you to adventure? Is it Dungeons and Dragons? Is it? <laughs> I was inspired by Dungeons and Dragons long ago. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, and maybe, maybe. Honestly, I mean, that's kind of a good point. It's like, maybe I'm just like, yeah, like, let's go climb that castle. Like, what the heck? You know, what could go wrong? What, banshees? <laughs> I know how to beat them, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, and it's not like a fearlessness of anything, but you're kind of like, I don't know, let's go find out, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. And an adventure is only an adventure when something goes horribly wrong, but no one... No one dies, I guess. Things almost go catastrophically wrong, but then don't. Have you ever had those adventures? Oh, yes. Where they, you, near oh catastrophic, gosh. almost death. We've had insane... I want to hear that story. Oh, my gosh. I mean, so, so many... So, well, I wouldn't say death. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
You know, oh gosh, where were we? Hopefully it wasn't on one of your rent adventures. No, no, no. Actually, like I did on my Celtic invasion. Uh oh. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, we, we, uh, everyone has survived. You know what? And you know what? Here's the thing. Let me just tell you. Let me tell you. So we, our friends in Sicily, and I, again, there's so much history in Sicily. If you're interested in, in history at all, there's, you know, there's 700 years of, of Greek history and 500 years of Greek history before the Romans ever show up. So, like, Romans. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, so much stuff going on uh, in that place. Ancient Greek ruins. Um, but, uh, you know, we know so many awesome people there. So one of our adventurers with us left her purse, like, in this town that we had spent Carnivale in, you know, tens of thousands of people, okay. literally tens of thousands of people, and we're like, oh my gosh, your purse is gone? And so, you know, like, we, you know, we, we checked everywhere, we did anything, and we were like, well, wait, you know, we think it might have been at this restaurant, and of course, you know, we have to leave to get to back to Palermo to get on the planes, and, and we're like, the restaurant is closed, there's nobody there, the restaurant doesn't open until two, you know, and we're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And our, our, our guy, Dario, uh, who is he's only one miracle away from being a saint now um, <laughs> he was like well no I know this guy and I know this guy and let me call him and then like and they like phone treed all the way around until they <laughs> they found oh I know I know I know the lady who owns the who works at the restaurant and like blah, 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 and they they got the purse shipped it back to me well, unfortunately didn't have her like passport in it she had her passport and all that stuff so okay. but uh, but we were like you know we're here we are driving away from the town you know going well it's gone forever it's, you know and uh, three days later it, it showed, showed up, up at her uh, nice. at her you know at her house so wow you know and, and you're like wait you called I mean the you know the chain of phone calls that happened to make that happen and just the people that oh you had to know that guy who knew that guy who knew that guy and you know you just talk to these people in these bakery and you're like well the bakery is across the street from the restaurant they gotta know somebody these towns are so small everyone knows everybody and so you're like oh no no I know her yeah I'll give her a call when she gets up you know like and there it is boom so incredible yeah I mean we were just we were floored because yeah, that yeah. you know that doesn't doesn't happen in America yeah, yeah. right like it seems very strange and odd but yeah. um, <laughs> alright yeah. so uh, final notes is, is um, you are at the Sherwood Forest Fair right now yes. where uh, are you going after this? Uh, so April, I'm here at Sherwood Forest for uh, we got this weekend and three more. Uh, the last weekend of April, I'll be at the uh, Gathering of Legends in North Carolina. It's a fairy festival, so I get to do some wackier stuff. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Tennessee Ren Fair in May. And then we run off to, to Italy in June. And, and you can find out more about you at? Uh, GarbanzoJuggling.com. And, and Ren Adventure. Oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead. that's Garbanzo, like the bean. G-A-R-B-A-N-Z-O. And then the Juggling.com. And then uh, Ren, Ren Adventures. Adventures. Dot com. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much. Talk oh, yeah. And watch out for wild boar in, in Italy. Uh, wild, wild. Okay. Explain. Wild boar. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes you go hiking and then you... And, and Do you re- have you really run into... Uh, I didn't... Fortunately, did not run into <laughs> the actual boar themselves. Literally, yeah. I did run into a sign that said, in Italian, warning, wild boar. Now... The word for pig and wild boar are two totally different things, and I wasn't really sure what if that was the right word. And I was like, wait a minute, what is that word? Something, something, danger, something, 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 maybe that's wild boar, something, something, something. <laughs> I am hiking, like, way out where nobody else hikes. Like, only Germans hike here. And, uh, and then I look around, and I realize there's shotgun shell casings, like, <laughs> everywhere. Oh, and I was like... 
oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Fortunately, boars are nocturnal mostly, <laughs> but it really isn't is a really disturbing sight. So, um, so you know, stay on the paths mostly. <laughs> All right, thanks so much. I'll talk to you later. All right, thanks. Thanks for having me. I could tell a story about the sliding piece of plastic of doom. No, I won't. <laughs> I could tell a story about the time the man bear pig came out and attacked me, but I won't. No, no this is a story about a man named Steve who was a hero. And, and well, it was kind of a hero, but he was just made up. No, okay, all right. All right. So a long time ago, myself and another buddy of mine, we were paid to go and play at, a, at one of those live action games where you, uh, you boss people with weapons and whack each other and yell out, like, I'm doing five damage to you, and whatever. That's, that's all good and all that stuff. But we were paid to be minstrels and entertainers for the village that we lived in. It was, it was a campground. And uh, there were a couple of high gluten guys around that had characters for years and years, and so these very powerful people who could walk around and whack you with a stick and say, 70,000 damage. Oh, where are we going to spend five? So anyway, they just cut right through. But that's not important right now. The important thing was that my friend and I went around and would tell people, hi, you know, if uh, you're a big hero, you should pay us money and we'll play theme song music to <laughs> Yes, we will walk behind you and play good chords that you can then heroically battle other people with. It'd be great. Well, you know, of course, we got the one, we got E. And E, for a little bit of money, we'll pay, play E chord all day. And it's heroic, as you can see. <laughs> I mean, even this crappy story gets like sounding really good. <laughs> so for a couple more bucks, we'll even transpose over to G. <laughs> when people die, and, ooh, we need a two chord. Then we'll go back to E. <laughs> but for a whole lot of money, we'll follow around and we'll play three chords. That's right. Let's start with E. Damage. So he was 
like, I am the ghost of my former character. I'm very upset with you. And Steve, and, and Steve read him the riot act to the music. And, uh, and, and, and it, was, it was horrific. It was terrible. Steve just went, you can't touch me because you're just a lowly little character. I'm a hero. <laughs> Deal with it. Well, the other guy was like, ah, that you, I... And of course he fell right into our trap, or he turned to the two minstrels, and he said, you should play theme music for me, too! <laughs> we smiled and nodded and agreed. And then the next time, Steve said his little more rant to the guy, the guy, the guy feeling, of course, very intimidated by the, the good theme music that Steve was getting, he said, okay, my turn. Well, I want to, and then we all stopped and started playing. Do, 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 do. <laughs> yes, well, to, to, to say that it threw him off, that was uh, very misnomer. But he was horrified and saying he ran away. It was great. Steve even tipped us. It was beautiful. So the next morning, me and, and my buddy, we're, we're sitting outside and uh, we're getting, drinking a cup of coffee early in the morning, and of course, it's cold out. There's frost on the ground. Now, when you play the game, every hour, uh, you play the game, but a couple hours a day, you have to be a monster for all the other characters to beat you up, you know. And so, like, you know, Steve would walk out and stab you because thousand points and he'd go up. So, in the morning, what they would do is they'd get four or five of the characters to beat goblins. And they would run around and bang on the cabin doors and taunt people to come out and fight them just so that they would wake up, because otherwise people would sleep till noon. <laughs> so we're like, oh, this is very interesting. We're just kind of standing around, whatever, and there's a goblin banging on the door. Come out and fight, you bastards! Come out and fight! And like, I wonder who actually lives in that cabin. Well, the door kicks open. Out comes Steve. He's got a shield, he's got his sword that does 70,000 damage, and he's got long johns on, and nothing else. <laughs> he takes four steps, charges straight for the goblins, and then realizes he doesn't have any shoes or socks on, and it's freezing. And the frost, and then, and, and the frost, you can see, was freezing his feet as he runs towards the goblin, his eyes bugged out, and, and then a magical thing happened. I don't think he actually ever then touched the ground. <laughs> Somehow he floated like a cartoon over top of the frozen grass. Meanwhile, walking around the each goblin, running around the each goblin and going, 50,000 damage, 50,000 damage, 50,000 damage. Killing every single one, and then somehow, cartoon-like, sliding back into the cabin and disappearing. Well, for me and, and my buddy, this was just hilarious. <laughs> We've already got three chords. <laughs> Might as well write some words to this song. <laughs> so, the, so after time, he came out in his armor, fully regaled, and we were, hey, Steve, the hero, we've got some, some uh, words for your song. And he was like, really? This is great. Uh, I'm going to walk to the inn today. <laughs> and uh, he got all you know, happy and everything. So we go out, and we're following him, and we're playing our chords. He walks into the room, and everyone looks at him, and he knows he's got theme music. And we all get in there, and this is what we said. 
Steve by Paolo Garbanzo was recorded in the foyer of of my friend Jamie Hauser's house <laughs> with all these Run Fair musicians at the Louisiana Renaissance Festival performing. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> now, if you like to travel, every year I take a small group of Celtic music fans on a relaxing adventure of a lifetime. We don't see everything. Instead, we stay in one area. We get to know the region through its culture, history, and legends. You can join us for an auditory and visual adventure through podcasts and videos by heading over to CelticInvasion.com. Now, in June, I'm going to be off to Dingle, Ireland, where I'm calling the Celtic Invasion of Star Wars, because we're going to see Skellig Michael, which is the island from the episode, the movie, The Last Jedi. But in 2020, we're doing what's called the Origins of Celtic Invasions. This trip, in this trip, we're going to the Veneto in Italy. Now, you might think, what does that have to do with the Celts? Uh, a lot, actually, because the Celts came from somewhere around Austria, and then invaded their way down through Italy and then all throughout Europe. And I found some records of this over the years. And I'll put that in when I do the Celtic Invasion podcast, so stay tuned for that. But if you'd like to join me, go to CelticInvasion.com. Next up is an interview with the Dublin Harpers. I'm going to be rocking the Irish harp. Here's my interview. Welcome. This is Mark Gunn. I am here with the Dublin Harpers. And introduce yourself. I'm Candace Dunham. I am Ben Dunham. And you're Harpers. Yes. That we are. <laughs> you're not a Harper. Yeah. Are you a Harper too? Well, anybody who makes harps or plays oh, harps. Oh, is that really? Is that a... Oh, that's so the you definition make harp, I made. And yeah. you make harps. I do, yes. Okay, and you harps. play harps. Yes. And you play harps really well. <laughs> Thank you. So, <laughs> tell me, uh, let's start, start where, where did you get your start playing harps? Why? Um, I started playing as a really young child. My mom is also a professional musician, a classical pianist, and started me on the piano when I was about three years old, and then I started playing the harp when I was six. Uh, she happened to have a friend who was a harpist and asked her to start giving me lessons, and it just went from there. I played my whole life, and... Um, went to school. Now, I, I need to stop for just a second. Did I say you were your, your name, Candace Harper? Um, Candace Dunham, sorry. <laughs> Candace Harper, that's funny too. Candace Dunham, did I, and Ben Dunham, right? Yes. So, so you, but you started off way early. How old were you? I was six when I started playing the harp. Wow. And did your mom play the harp? No, she didn't. Uh, why? Then why? Why the harp? Uh, she just liked it? Or? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so My parents said, both liked it. And <laughs> we a harp in our crowd, That's right, <laughs> pretty much. I played the piano already for several years, and she just happened to know a harpist, and uh, the harpist also had a daughter who was the same age I was, so they traded lessons. And oh, nice. It just kind of went on from there. and. So you've been playing since six. Wow, six, that's fantastic. Yeah. And I went on to study the harp in college, and I've just always played. So. Now, you're doing Irish music, mostly Irish music. Yes. Um, how, how did you get into that? Is that just a natural part of being a harper? Uh, no, not really. I was trained as a classical harpist. And there's a difference between a harpist and a harper. A harpist is somebody who plays classical harp, and a harper is somebody who plays folk harp or Irish or Scottish. So I do both. I consider myself to be both. Um, I got interested in the Irish music 
probably in college. Uh, my professor encouraged me to do a couple of different Irish things, and then my husband and I started playing in a bagpipe band just shortly after we were married, and I loved the music. So I started looking in more detail of it and playing it, and uh -huh. he loved playing it, and I loved playing it, so we just went from there. Now, you, how long have you been playing the, the ballroom? Uh, only a couple years. I haven't been playing all, the ballroom that long. I've been a percussionist since the fifth grade. So I've been playing competition. You haven't played since you were six. What's up with that? <laughs> I, I came from a very non-musical oh. family. In fact, my dad... Why are you playing the drum? It is, yeah. <laughs> kidding, kidding. My dad is the world premiere of refinishing pianos, oh, really? but he's tone deaf. So, hilarious. Yeah, yeah that's, hilarious. that's the family I came from. <laughs> nice. nice. Again, back to the drum. Yes. But then we met in high school, um, and oh, wow. we were both playing in percussion um, at the time, and uh, I, heard, I had a big concert harp that fell off the back of a truck, and long story short, his dad fixed <laughs> really? it, and the rest is history. Oh, hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah. She that's... did march harp in marching band. So. <laughs> Once. March harp? Yeah. She pedal marched, harp. March yeah. pedal harp in the marching wow, band. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. <laughs> Not easily. <laughs> Not easily, yes. Yeah. So now... Um, now, you are the Dublin Harpers. Why the name? Uh, first off, because we're from Dublin, Ohio. So. Not Dublin, Ireland? Uh. I could tell by the accent. I was certain you were from, from, from Northern Ohio. I was wondering because, uh, you know, I was like, it was like, Dublin Harpers, but they're wearing kilts, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, the Irish wear kilts too, but, you know, you don't. Right, not like this, right. I don't think the heritage of Scotland kilt was very prevalent in Ireland. What is that, that plaid, anyways? It's the heritage of Scotland. Oh, the heritage. heritage of Scotland. It's like the blanket Scottish kilt. And we chose it. His family has many tartans in it, being Scots-Irish, but we chose the heritage of Scotland because it's purple. And it's my favorite color. As is, as is the harp and the other harp. And Many people recognize harp. me for my purple harps, and the Dublin Harpers came together because we're from Dublin, Ohio, and everybody knows us as the Harp family. Yeah, yeah. So they they try to look for us as the Harpers, and now now are you? Do you have any blood? Any uh, Celtic blood in you? Oh, yeah. Do you know? Yeah, both my. Well, I can tell by your red beard. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, my my family is definitely Scots Irish. Okay. Uh, in fact, my grandfather was straight off the boat. Yeah. But... Um, who about you? I don't know. <laughs> That's you're, you're, it's all in your soul? It's all it? in the soul. All in the soul. Okay. All in the soul. The love of thy music. There you go. <laughs> what I like about what you're doing, actually, is, is the, the fact that, you, number one, well, now you play great harp, but you also do have a, this family thing, and it's usually when you hear a harp, it's, it's you know, relaxing, mellow music. So right. We're trying what's to go, up with that? We're trying to go the complete other direction. <laughs> Which is a great direction. That. I love it. I yeah. mean, it, it, looks, it looks and sounds great. Thank so. you. We're really trying to take the harp to its full <laughs> limits. Really show people what that instrument can do. It's not just to sit in the corner yeah. at a parlor. And while we do things like the teas and whatever, our favorite time is to really play the rock and Scottish and Irish stuff together and take those harps full tilt. Yeah, I think definitely the, having the drum uh, adds a lot to that too. I mean, well, thank you. That's what I'm here for. And you're you're a heck of a drummer too. I gotta well, say, thanks. Which is you know finding an awesome barn drummer is, is you know. Not as easy as you'd think. Yeah. <laughs> well, finding a Bowron drummer is pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm just a glorified yeah, I play. harp carrier. But. <laughs> <laughs> what got you into making harps? Uh, my dad. Like I said, he was, he was the, the premier for the rebuilding, and I've been doing woodworking and working on full-size harps since I was nine. Um, yeah. Piano. Went to, 
Not or hearts. pianos, yeah, the pianos since I was nine. And then when, I would like to take some credit for that heart building. <laughs> I need heart a heart broke. beer, please make exactly. me one. Exactly, yeah. When her heart broke, it was really when when I when I saw Candace play for the first time. It was really the first time I had seen a heart, let alone the full size pedal harp, and it was really intriguing. Yeah. Um, and then when we finally got married, uh, she was leasing two full scale pedal harps. And her dad said, I'm so glad you're married. Congratulations. They're yours. <laughs> so we took over the lease payments, and I said, you know what? I can do this for way less money. So let's try it. Well, that wasn't all of it, though, too. There was We wanted to start building and having them for our family, and I had started a studio. And harps are not easy to get your hands on uh -huh. either, especially very well-built harps. Um, and I was teaching a studio, and so a couple of the families had said, Oh, can you can you do this? And he just tried his hand at it. And I really wanted very specific harps for my playing, just because of how heavily I play. And a lot of the folk harps don't have that same tension behind them. So I really needed something with good, solid tension, more like a pedal harp, to do what I was doing on the instrument. So I said, eh, "Do you think you can figure this out?" And we started building harps. That's awesome. We've yeah. been building pedal harp tension harps since 2002. Yeah, but and folk harps, yeah. The folk harps, yeah. The lever lever harps that are pedal harp tension. Yeah. And uh, the uh, other companies are just now starting to realize that that need for the pedal harp tension. For the pedal harpist, that needs that. Wants a portable harp. Portable harp. Yeah. Brilliant. Now, you have a, a, a an entire family of harpers here. What? Yes. How, uh, how many people first are, are playing, and... Uh, what, what are they playing? Well, there are six of us playing, and um, everyone except for Ben does play the harp. All the children yeah, play the harp. <laughs> he builds him. That's, that's enough. Um, but all the children do play the harp. Uh, there's four children, and Graham, Grace, Gin, and Garen, and all of them play the harp. They also play a second instrument of their choice to come out and play with us as well. Graham plays the organ, so that's a little bit tricky to travel right. with, which is why he sticks to the harp oh, on the stage okay. yeah. all the time. And Grace does some percussion things. She plays a little bit of whistle, and she likes to dabble in different instruments. You also saw her dancing up there today. She likes to do the Scottish dancing. Um, and Gin plays the harp and the didgeridoo. And then Garen plays the harp and the drumstick. Stick dulcimer. We call it the Strumbly. Yeah. <laughs> but and that's the, its affectionate name. And the ages of your children? They are 15, 13, 6, and 4. And 4. That, that, that was what the, that drew my attention first, I must say. I was sitting there behind the stage and I hear this strum, 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 strum. Like, what the? Yeah. Is this sound, what is that? <laughs> what is that sound? That's the four year old. I mean, I was enjoying. <laughs> <laughs> like, gosh, I need to get my daughter to work. Yes. She really Damn. needs to get... She's slacking. Yeah. She's not on stage with me yet. <laughs> get her in there. <laughs> All right, so tell me about the music. You have a, do you have an album out? We do. Uh, we have our current album out, which is called Building Canoes. And... Building canoes. Yes, okay. which is a very. You gotta work on your naming of albums. I'm just saying. I'm it's just... it's just an interesting story <laughs> that goes. Sometimes we tell it on stage, the okay. story behind building canoes. And yes, we did actually build a canoe. Okay. And, and I believe it. Out. The stuff he's building. I mean. You know. Yeah. Well, you know how our family is. We're always doing something crazy like that. So that 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 story name came from there. And then um, our Christmas CD, Frozen Over, is coming out in about two weeks. Oh, excellent, excellent. So, so that. 
in the works of, for another Celtic. And we have another Celtic CD in the works that is not yet named. And of course, they will both be on the Irish and Celtic Music Podcast and the Celtic Christmas Podcast, right? Of course. Right. Oh, good, 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 of good, course. good. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, if people want to find you, where do they, where do they go? What do they do? Uh, our Facebook page is probably the best place to get us. Uh, uh, Dublin, Dublin Harpers yes. on Facebook is Dublin the best Harpers. place to get us. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate y'all taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks very much. Dublin Harper's Island Reel from their album Shenanigans. Now we're going to visit the Rambling Sailors. I love these two. I did this interview this year at the Sherwood Forest Fair, and I was so happy. They have a brand new album out. It's called Kenway's Favorites. After that, I'll play Patty Doyle's Boots. So stick around for that. Here is the Rambling Sailors interview. Greetings there. I am with uh, Susan. Do you go, is it Cisco's? Okay, I'm going to pronounce it for you. It is C-S-I-K-O-S. Chicos. Is it really? Okay. I've been butchering that for years. No, that's okay. Everybody knows. <laughs> uh, it's all right. Chicos. Chicos. My, my maiden name is Hickey, yeah. so I will happily pronounce and spell this for people for the rest of my life. It's all right. <laughs> Chicos. So Susan Chicos of the Rambling Sailors. Hey there. And you have a, a, a new album. You and Greg have a new album. And I'm going to do an interview with him next week because I want to find out about sea shanties, which I know nothing about. But, but um... But maybe you can tell me, you've been in the Celtic tradition for a long time, and I know you, I mean, you've sang with Emerald Rose a long time ago on an album of theirs, I believe, right? Yeah, I helped them out, and they were on, and there was at least, there was a weekend where uh, they had like four gigs, and I, uh, they, and one of their lead singers and writers, Arthur Hines, was going to be away because he had an opportunity to go with his son to space camp in Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> and there was nobody who was going to tell him that he couldn't do that because right. he'd been wanting to go since he was a kid. So, um, but they needed somebody for those four gigs. So I, you know, I filled in for that. But we'd been friends for a long time and we were, we've been friends since then. And um, I, I'm pretty sure I ended up on one of their albums, but honest to God, I can't remember which it one. It was um, one that, that Night in the Garden, I think. Oh, um... I think. I'm pretty sure that's the album. Might be. Might be. I, I, I believe that was the one. Uh, I love that album. Anyway, <laughs> so, I, I but, love um, singing with those guys, and they make beautiful music. So, how did Rambling Sailors come to be? 
Um, well, actually, um, Greg and I became fans of each other when we shared a stage at Scarborough Festival. Um, we uh, had met the previous year uh, in the that story that I like to tell about me walking through Scarborough Festival on my audition weekend and hearing him singing a song that I wrote just kind of out of the blue. Really? Yeah, I was that's just walking awesome. through the fair and I hear, oh, there's beautiful music and hey, that's that's my song. There's somebody singing my song, the one that's that I... so cool. Well, and, I, and a couple of years ago, I had told my friends, like, I anybody that wants to sing this song can sing this song. Right. I don't care. I don't want money. I just, just spell my name right. right. Ask, you know, whatever. Um, and, and I wanted to... I did it because I wanted to hear how that song came back to yeah. me. And this was the most wonderful way yeah. that it ever came back to me was that I heard this this man singing this song, the Bessie Quinn, and I just sat down in the audience, started singing along a little bit. It, was, it turned out to be his last song, and everybody finished up. And he went, "Hey, you must know that you must uh, know Craig of Farrington. He's the guy that taught me that song." And I said, "Man, I wrote that song." <laughs> and he went, "Oh." Well, I guess I owe you some money then because I just recorded it and I wasn't able to find you. <laughs> so we worked it out. He still hasn't paid. <laughs> what? The, the nerve of the, of the trust, husband. Trust me. Trust me. We worked it out. <laughs> I get to sing his song sometimes. Anyway, uh, so that's how we, we met. But we got together the following year. Uh, Koi Severe at the Scarborough Festival hired us and put us on the same stage. We were kind of, you know, it was me and then him and then some other guy and then me and then him. So we really spent the entire day sitting at the stage listening to each other and kind of becoming fans of each other's music. So we were uh, kind of fans of each other's music before we got together in a in a romantic sense, which happened uh, after that. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, so Greg was talking to me about it and saying he was trying to put together something that would travel on the road, and he wanted us to get together. And we were already harmonizing really nicely together uh, and getting very familiar with each other's stuff. So I agreed to do that. So it was going to be me and him and this and one of his old bandmates, B.J. Hudson. Uh, and then BJ got a, a job offer from McAfee, and uh, you know when that sort of thing happens, you just go, you know what, go. And and that was and that was a, probably the right thing to do because now we have somebody with a hot tub and a big house <laughs> that we can occasionally go visit. <laughs> but it's always great to see BJ, and we just we just drag him up on stage whenever he comes to fair. Oh, so cool! But uh, we kind of we kind of got together after that um, about. It was either late that year or the following year that we kind of, uh, you know, got together in, in romantically. But but that was, you know, a different thing to the to the band. The band was going to happen one way or the other. It yeah. Just, yeah. We just got um, on. So Rambling Sailors and uh, what what made why the name? Um, I've actually been involved in projects before with the word rambling, and I've just always loved the word rambling because it, it, it's a it's different from wandering and it's different from pilgrimage or or traveling it's it has a slightly meandering but not completely without purpose kind of a feel that's awesome you know it means that you're it means that you're going along but you know slightly more carefree than yeah. if you were a wanderer and slightly more purposeful as well. Yeah, that's so fantastic. Now, what I love about, like I was telling you earlier, is I love about your music is that uh, your, your vocals are just top-notch. I mean, uh, you know, Greg has just these these, these really strong, uh, beefy uh, uh, sailor pilot. <laughs> she says. <laughs> with a glint in her eye. So beefy. And then you have, okay. and then you have this, this, this just delightful, beautiful voice which they, they just complement each other so 
bloody well. I'm like, <laughs> we, we drove around. We drove around a lot in the truck, and we did a lot of singing with each other. Uh-huh. Uh, and and uh, it, it was really easy to to get the close harmonies when we had so much time. And we just frankly enjoyed singing with each other. It was just easy. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And you're emotional. That was the other thing is emotional voice work. Well, I, I, that was one of the things that attracted me about Greg's performance yeah. is that he gives the emotion. And um, I'll, I will yeah, say this. Like, yes, possibly, possibly because singing is like the thing that I do. I don't really have another thing that I do super well. Yeah. I'm kind of a snob about it. <laughs> And, and so I'll listen to people saying, and I'll enjoy it, and I'll be like, yep. okay, cool, good. And, like, and, and really, especially in the last years, I've been super impressed at the performers at festival. Yeah. But Greg was the first performer that I just kind of went, damn, yeah. good yeah. stuff. Yeah. You if know, you listen to our solo stuff, we had very different uh, styles coming into it, and it took work to make it mesh like it is these days. But we've been doing true. it for 12 or 13 years now, so. I, I don't think I actually heard, ever heard your solo stuff. Uh, and of course, this is Greg, who's here, uh, who just joined us. Hi, I wandered up. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, he rambled, rambled up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, the thing is, that I've always loved. Like when I was pl- when I was singing uh, amongst other other folk singers, one of the things that you know kind of would go ah for me was uh, all the female singers would get up and they'd sing something so sad. <laughs> And it's beautiful. I know it'd be really beautiful. It would be super sad. Yeah. And it would just make me want to, you know, my sense of pacing just asserted itself and I would automatically want to compensate by having, by wanting to sing something really, really ballsy and really out there, you know, really energetic and strong and brave. And, and I like those songs and I got really into sea shanties and sea songs. Yeah. And so when Greg proposed that we do this sort of sea shanty thing, I thought it was a wonderful idea and it was really just what I, part of me had always wanted. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah. and, it, and it was very That's fulfilling. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. I, I, I haven't thought about it. There are, uh, it, it's, you know, so I've been doing this, uh, my Irish and Celtic music podcast has the, doing the year of the Celtic women, basically trying to highlight the ladies of Celtic music a little bit more than I, you know, have in the past. Um, and so, uh, but it's interesting because a lot of the, the women singers are there doing the more pretty ballad stuff. And, well, they and, do have those beautiful voices. And they do. They, they lend well. And they blend well. And they will lend really well. But but at the same time, you know, uh, I, I think it's you sometimes want to hear some, some the raucous, the raucous ladies of Celtic music as well. You know? <laughs> well, let's face it. If you are singing, there there is a school of folk singing that, you know, people want to sing the songs from the feminine point of view when you're a woman. And um, there's, uh, frankly, when you when you start singing from the female point of view, women did not have it all that great. And yeah. so a lot of the emotion that you're, that, that it, the emotional place it's coming from, there's a lot of, you know, pain and there's a lot of, uh, well, murder. And, um, <laughs> right. It's sad. There's some sad stuff. So, you know, you kind of have to deal with that. I mean, which point is it comes to, to writing some new music, like you were saying. Yeah, you kind of like, sometimes I'll, I'll take a different, I'll take another song and like, Twist it, right, right, or right, you know, yeah. or, or or just gender swap it. So while I got you both here, uh, you have a new album. What's it called again? 
Ken Ken Way's favorite. Ken Way's favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tell me about it. Yeah, actually, I'm going to let Greg tell you the story about how (laughs) Now, I say we were talking about this for many years, but we didn't actually do it. So, some friends of ours uh, who know that we were into video games uh, came up to us and said, Hey, have you heard, played this new game, Assassin's Creed 4? It's got a bunch of sea shanties in it, and you already sing a bunch of those songs. And we were like, No, we have not yet experienced this game, but I played the first two and rather enjoyed them. So, <laughs> so we, we immediately went out and bought Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. <laughs> and uh, turns out there are 35 traditional sea shanties wow. on that game. game. And uh, it sounds like it was recorded by people that they grabbed randomly out of their IT department. So we immediately <laughs> said we could do this better. Right. So uh, we've yeah, been kicking could. around the idea of doing it. And one day while I was on stage at Scarborough, I was thinking, hey, you know what we ought to do? <laughs> Since we got a bunch of friends here who have vocal talent, we should grab Iris and Rose and the Iron Hill Vagabonds nice. and Jim Hancock and the Lady Prudence and just get everybody together in a pub and just record these songs. And uh, I finished the song and I said, hey, Susan, this Let's is what we should do. And I said those same words again. And we <laughs> and should I- try to get this done before the fair ends in a month. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, you are insane. I said, no, no, we can do this. And, well, we Strangely, did. He was right. And it worked out really well. I could not believe he was right, but it was absolutely yeah. everything. This it is was... not our normal process. No, but no. Basically, we got together and we yeah, sang, we sang no. each song to the people in the room, and we sang it three or four times as they were figuring out a harmony part, and yep. then we recorded and it, wow. and then we moved on to the next one. Sometimes and we did the so whole nice thing, thing in two sessions. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was insane. And by the way, yes, that, that album was actually recorded in a Renaissance Fair pub. It was recorded at the Rosen Crown at Scarborough nice. Festival. Beautiful acoustics. Yeah. Loved every bit of it. And Iris and Rose and and Mark and Eric and and Jim and and Cat, uh, Cat Lyons. Just incredible. Like just that's what you that's what happens when you have high-caliber performers just at your elbow. It it is one of our very favorite albums. And, uh... But because of the way we did it, basically learning and recording the whole thing in a three-week period, Mm -hmm. we can only perform, like, four of the songs (laughs) at this point of the 17 (laughs) tracks. We just... We haven't memorized all these songs yet. And some of them just don't sound right. To be fair, as as I have found (laughs) out with my CDs, a lot of the times you, you, you don't end up playing most of the songs anyways because they don't fit... A show setting. I, I don't well, know. Largely, what we do is we just learn songs, and then when we've learned enough of them, we record them. Yeah. Yes. So and normally, by the time we're hitting the studio, we've already been doing these songs for a couple of years, yeah. so they're already a part of the show. And right. I, I was just absolutely. This is never going to work. Okay, fine, I'll go along with this, but it's not going to work. And part it's of me is inside work. going, fine, 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 tapping my foot, waiting for somebody to give up and go. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and then we get together and start singing, and and uh, we get we we get together with our friends, and I'm like, holy crap. This could actually And the work. only one that sounds the way we feared it would is the last track, and we did it that way on purpose. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, Pat, that was like Patty Doyle's boots. Pat, yeah, we, pay we, Patty Doyle for his boots. We just, we just got, we literally got everybody drunk. It, yeah, embracing <laughs> the method to sound like a bunch of drunken sailors. We, we got everybody drunk. Super and we... <laughs> drunk. Wow. Okay, and... I'm, I'm, I had to share a funny story. So years ago, I had this pirate character, uh, Captain Blackjack Murphy. Okay. I've only played him live once, uh, where I, I took it to Dragon. Con and <laughs> pirate party late night midnight dragon con oh, man. 
if someone was plying me with grappa, I was blitzed. <gasps> I, I used to record all my shows, and I, that was the only show I ever deleted. <laughs> oh, grappa, you fool! <laughs> I, was, I was like, I, I learned a valuable lesson. You don't need to be drunk to sound drunk. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> right, well, we, there, was, there might help. have been a certain amount of effort as well. We were like, we want to sound drunk, but we certainly, we paid our people in liquor. Yeah. And pizza, and yeah. pizza. Let's let's face it. Yeah. But uh, they were they they were first rate. There's a, there's a line where it's like because Patty Doyle's boots. That's absolutely the way it should be done. Just sound like the end of the end of a long three day weekend. It's two o'clock in the morning. You've been singing all night. Just and you're and you're blown. It's just like that. What is, what is your favorite uh, track from the album? Other than Patty Doyle's boots. <laughs> <laughs> all right, right. Every, we each have a different favorite. Okay. Um, all right, my favorite that I do is is gotta be um, the Wild Goose. Okay. I think that's probably my favorite track. My favorite one that Greg does, I think, actually is is Randy Dandio. That's why I keep asking. You to I do say it. I think Wild Goose is my favorite track on the album too. It, it's, it's just beautiful. What's the favorite one that you do? Uh. Hey, Riggajigajigahaha, oh, yeah. and I forget which Good song Morning it is. Ladies All. Good Morning Ladies All, yeah. <laughs> that's just got the most ludicrous chorus in all of Sea Shantydom. Yep. And it's just fun to Liked do. Liked it so much, we put it first on the album. <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. It was, and I have to say, you know, that's as crazy as this sounds, and this is not something I've said about any of our other albums, I think this has got to be the best sounding album we've done. Wow. We finished one of them in. Jim and Iris and Rose are all like, wow, some of those verses are kind of suggestive. And I'm like, <laughs> what? In a sea shanty? No! How could it be? A ship full of lonely sailors making up verses like that? Who could have thought? No, no. Uh, but, but to tell you the honest truth, although none of the, none of, we, we don't generally do a, you know, body show, and so our, our, and our albums all reflect that. Uh, so there might be a couple of entendres going on, but those are absolutely bodlerized from the way that sailors sang them when they were on board a boat. Wow, yeah. They got pretty darn salty. <laughs> and uh, from the recordings that, you know, from looking in, if you read Shanties from the Seven Seas by Stan Hugel, which is the book you should read uh -huh. if you want to check out and know things about sea shanties, he was uh, like the last of the great shanty men. And he was like uh, Mr. Mr. Child. He would just travel around and he spent years collecting sea shanties from people and recording them, and uh, uh, both recording them on paper and in, uh, in in staff measure, and also uh, making recordings of them, wow. um, and, and and writing about those things and telling you the histories of them. And oftentimes, when when you're looking up some shanty in the book, what he says is, "Okay, these were all the ones that I could." print <laughs> and, I, and there was some that I can't print that I kind of changed a few of the words but he doesn't tell you what he changed them from you know but sailors were famous for that sort of thing weren't they yeah yeah like the Scots <laughs> <laughs> alright well thank you all so much where can people find you online uh, you can find us actually we uh, have been getting a lot of traffic to our Facebook page Facebook okay. slash Rambling Sailors <laughs> since we lost our domain name yeah somebody <laughs> somebody bought it up and wanted bazillions for yeah, it and we're like screw you dude yeah. <laughs> All right. so yeah Facebook and uh, Bandcamp we, we have okay. a presence there too. Bandcamp. Yep. Awesome. Yep. alright well thank you all so much and uh, yeah, take care take Bye. care Mark Gin. 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 To me, we'll 
to be waiting. We'll all throw muck at the cook. To be waiting. The dirty old man's on the poop. To be waiting. We'll all throw out and be done. To be waiting. We'll pay Paddy Doyle for his boots. Holy crap, I just looked at the time. Over three hours. <laughs> all right, this is awesome. I'm just having so much fun creating this podcast. I hope you're having fun with all these interviews and the music. And if you are, send me a comment. Let me know. If you're not, send me a comment. Let me know. And we're almost done. But before we do, I have a short interview with Master Bones Jangles and the Voodoo Island Cannibals Return, followed by... A track from their new album, Sail to the Wind, is called Funeral Dirt. I'm here with Master Bones Jangles. Tell me about you and your band. What, so what are they called? We're Master Bones Jangle and the Voodoo Island Cannibals. Uh, we do pirate music uh, with a bit of a twist. You know, a lot of you know, sea shanties and things tended to be a little bit slower. And we try to breathe new life into a lot of those tunes and make them a little more dancey. Uh-huh. How did, how did you get started? I've been doing Renaissance festivals for a really long time, since uh, about 2000. And I've studied under a lot of uh, professional Ren Faire musicians, going to pub sings and learning from watching those other musicians. And yeah, a, a lot of my influence came from you know, live situations. Now, I first saw y'all, uh, I don't know, it was a long time ago, uh, but you were, had a, the band was going and you were tearing it up with Maggie May. Now, I've heard some tracks from your new album, and I was also thinking just rocking awesome stuff. What, what, uh, what's your favorite song from that album? Uh, and, is it, is it, and is it a similar vibe as Maggie May? I think maybe it, it does have a maybe similar vibe to Maggie May. I, my favorite track is The Funeral Dirge. It's the first what? track on the album. Uh, it's one that I wrote myself. And I, I wrote it, I, I went through a little bit of a slump for a few years. I wrote it as sort of my comeback song, which sounds funny for a funeral dirge. It sounds but, awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but then I have a CD called Happy Songs of Death. So yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the funeral dirge is sort of my comeback song saying, you know, I'm, I'm not going to let, you know, the, the world and, and things get in my way. Uh, you know, I'm back to, to, to raise the black flag again. Is, is the most of the music original or traditional sea It's a mix of original and traditional music. And the, there's uh, three tracks on the album that are original tracks that I wrote myself. And the majority of the rest of it's traditional. There's, I, I believe, one or two tunes that are uh, modern. Okay. Okay. Um, and where where can we find you in the, in the near future? Uh, in the near future, uh, this coming weekend at uh, Avalon Fair uh, for their opening weekend, uh, we'll be performing there. Then I, we don't have any solid dates okay. for the summer yet. Okay. Um, where can people find you online? Uh, Do you have a Bandcamp page? We have a Bandcamp page. It's uh, yar.bandcamp.com. Yar. <laughs> uh, three R's. Uh, Y-A-R-R-R. Nice. Uh, and uh, we're also on iTunes. Spotify. Uh, Spotify. Google Already Play. Listened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, so most of the Amazon as well. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, let's play something from the album. What, what's this track called? Uh, this is The Funeral Dirge. All right. When I've shuffled off this mortal coil, 
Wrap me up in skins of For no more upon the docks shall I be seen. But don't come looking for these bones. I'll not sail with Davy Jones, and there'll be no peace for me on Fiddler's Green. Where the black flag did I fly? For me, there'll be no by and by. While the devil he may take me, but I swear he'll never break me. The black flag I'll raise again, and I'll sail into the wind. On a go ship, play the hands up, I'll sail the sea. The Pub Songs Podcast is listener-supported. If you enjoy visiting our little pub, please join the Gunrunners Club to get more podcasts, videos, bootleg concerts, and exclusive MP3s. Special thanks to my newest patron, Elizabeth. I do rely on your generosity to make a living as a musician, so thank you so much for so kindly supporting my music. Go to markgun.net to join the Gunrunners Club on Patreon today, and let's make a friendlier world. Upcoming shows. Well, the last Coffee the Kelp Father of the season is coming uh, this Wednesday, April 17th. I will be continuing the series in the future, but you'll have to join my mailing list to find out when. April 19th, is I'm at Interstellar Ginger Beer and Exploration Company in Alabaster, Alabama. May the 4th, on Saturday, May the 4th, we're back at Interstellar. And this is my farewell to Birmingham. Uh, my wife is graduating. Uh, my Inaris birthday celebration is also here. So it's one big event. And I hope you'll come join us on May the 4th. Uh, music will start around 7 p.m. May the 17th through 19th is the California Auto Harp Gathering in Dunlap, California. Then the Celtic Invasion of Star Wars in June. 
I finally got approved for Gen Con, August 1st through 4th. Dragon Con, I'm still waiting on. I crossed my fingers. I should be there, but we'll see. Um, and then September 27th through 28th, I'll be at the Brown Coat Ball in Las Vegas. If you enjoy the music in the show, show your support. Buy their music and merch. Follow them on Spotify. Let them know how much you love what they are doing. And, of course, tell a friend. So we're going to finish up the show with one final track. This is from my exclusive album, Heroes. You probably don't own this album. Unless, of course, you are one of my patrons. Earlier this year, I ran a fundraiser over on Patreon and... This is the resulting album. The album is not for sale anywhere, but you can get it for a limited time when you become a glorious patron over on Patreon. Go to markgun.net for details. Meantime, here's Serenity Valley Waltz. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you again sometime soon. Slancha. There's a place that I go when I'm feeling low and the battle is raging in my head. Dries up my tears and holds back the fear Gives me strength to face what's ahead Serenity Valley walls When I'm feeling like everything's lost My heart is all ablaze and my mind's in a haze Let the angels dance away my faults I felt the sadness that you caused When you exposed all my flaws And treated my fears as unreal There is truth in your life So much hurt as I cried Left my soul scarred and unhealed Serenity Valley Waltz When I'm feeling like everything's lost My heart is all ablaze And my mind's in a haze Let the angels dance away my fault In the skies, I am grateful my family is with me. Still, I wait for the dawn and I struggle to go on. So, I pray for serenity. Serenity Valley Waltz. When I'm feeling like everything. My heart is all ablaze And my mind's in a haze Let the angels dance away my faults Serenity Valley Waltz When I'm feeling like everything's lost is all ablaze and my mind's in a haze let the angels dance away my
falls. Thank you for listening. The Pub Songs Podcast was produced by Mark Gunn. If you enjoyed this episode, please support the musicians who support this podcast. Buy their music, then share the show. Special thanks to all of my patrons in the Gunrunners Club. Would you like five of my MP3s for free? Plus get regular updates of what's new? Subscribe to this podcast and my newsletter at pubsong.net.